So that is going to be an incredible show. I love the music in both games. And so that's going to be neat. And just seeing someone play through these titles, which both are really, really tough titles to beat, is going to be an incredible experience. That sounds awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear about it. Sorry, let me say that again. And have a lot of like excitement in it. Christopher Walken or something. You are now listening to the RF Generation Playcast. The Playcast is the place where the single banana and I, Grego 81 discuss the monthly community playthrough games selected by us and shared by a community of gamers on RFGeneration.com and social media platforms like Twitter. This month, we're going on down to South Park and we're going to have ourselves a time. Obsidian Entertainment brings their Western-style RPG development expertise to a long-running and some might say offensive adult-oriented animated TV show. The results were surprising to many gamers, to say the least. So who is this game for? Fans of Obsidian? Fans of South Park? Both? Neither? Stay tuned as Rich and I discuss this unique licensed title. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts and Podbean, or just visit RFGPlaycast.com. On Twitter, I'm at RFGPlaycast, and Rich is at TheSingleBanana. Most importantly, be sure to log on to RFGeneration.com to discuss the games with us and have a chance to get mentioned on the show. Thank you for listening, and now, on with the Playcast.
to start off with your CrossFit adventures? I guess, unless you've got the coronavirus. I don't yet have the coronavirus, but um, <laughs> I have been pumping iron myself again. It sucks, man, because I actually really hate lifting weights and I have to force myself to do it. Yeah. And there's this thing in the fitness and exercise community that's like, don't do something you don't like and find a way to do it that you like it. And it's like, I fucking hate lifting weights, but there's no way around it. Like you have to do it. And you know, I know people don't like running. I love running. I hate it. And uh, yeah, see, so there's like a contradiction in the culture versus where the rubber meets the road when it comes to actually doing stuff. But I started picking up the dumbbells again, trying to keep up with you and, and the other guys in our, our motivational thread in the uh, Slack chat. But you're, you're, you're going above and beyond from what I understand. Yeah, I've actually gained some weight recently, which is uh, kind of the opposite I was hoping for. But at the same time, it makes a lot of sense because it's muscle weight. So for about the last five weeks, I've been doing CrossFit. It's something I always wanted to try. For whatever reason, maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, but uh, <laughs> one of the um, guards at the place I work, he and a lady were doing CrossFit together. And, you know, I expressed some interest and they asked if I wanted to join. You know, CrossFit's one of those kind of team building exercises where you push each other and, you know, really helps to motivate. And so I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And let me tell you, man, it is absolutely punishing me. You know, you say uh, yeah. you're doing something that's fun. No, this is not fun at all. But, <laughs> you know, the flip side is I feel incredible afterwards, um, after all the soreness and everything from starting went away. But um, with this, you, you change up exercises so much that there's always something on you that's going to be sore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, last week I couldn't move my arms almost for the entire week because my biceps were so sore. It's a great workout, incorporates running, something I hate, but, uh, you know, it's short bursts and then you're doing something else. So you're constantly changing things up, which I really, really like. And like I said, with the team building part of it, it's uh, very motivational and it, you know, keeps me going. And um, I do it about three times a week is what I try to do. Hopefully this is going to get me in shape. I don't see how it can't, but uh, I'm going to have to hold my end of the bargain and eat right because uh, I have this tendency when I'm working on something, I did a triathlon, I guess about 10 years ago, and I was training and, you know, I just was in that mindset, I can eat whatever I want, but uh, that's really, that's just not the case. And so yeah. I have to really uphold my end of the bargain and that's, uh, that's kind of becoming the tough part for me. Now, I know you've been doing keto for a long time. Are you going to tinker with your macros as your energy level goes up? Yeah, I'm not sure. I've heard negative things about exercising when you're on keto. Yeah. I really don't know. I haven't really looked into it yet. And what they say is not necessarily exercising, but intense exercising, which is pretty much what I'm doing. So I'm going to have to do a little more research as far as that's concerned and uh, really figure out what's going to be best with this type of workout. Yeah, I find that when I'm doing like super hardcore keto or like almost no sugar in my diet, when I do go for runs, I will get zapped for energy very quickly. There's truth to it. Oh, yeah. Obviously, listeners and everybody, do your own research. I'm not a doctor or nutritionist, but like, you just got to know 
what feels best for yourself. And if you need to dial up your healthy carbs with some vegetables or sweet potato before you train or after you train or however you want to do it, it just pays to experiment with your own habits and your own inputs and outputs. Don't be dogmatic, I guess is what I'm getting at. You know, some people, oh, that's not paleo. That's not keto. That's not this or that or whatever. But Rob Wolf, who's an author and a scientist and nutrition guy that I've been following for years and years and years, he calls it an experiment of one, you know, and everybody's an individual. Some people thrive on high carb, high training, high intensity. Some people thrive on low carb, high fat, high protein, this and that. And there's no one size fits all. So Exactly. And uh, you're not doing it for the label anyway. You're doing it for a purpose of losing weight and getting fit. So if you're worried about someone telling you you're not doing keto or whatever it is, it's kind of the wrong mindset to have anyway, you know? Yeah. Sounds like in the spirit of our our discussions as usual, (laughs) you know, the fitness is there to please me. The food is there to please me, just like the games and the music are. Well, I'm happy to hear it, and I hope you can stick with it and find it entertaining and enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, I, I do to a certain extent, and um, as far as sticking with it, I think it's hard to get out of it now because you have other people that are relying on you and pushing you each time to go and do it. So yeah, that's a good thing. I do have days when I do not want to do it, but after it's done, I feel so much better. So uh, it, it's really working out for me. Speaking of things working out, looks like we've got no mistakes again this month. Okay. I hope people are actually listening to the show. That's my only concern. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think last recording we did have what I would call maybe a dingleberry. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) In that we mentioned the Nintendo Watch and we didn't really know what was going on with it. But as we pointed out, that wasn't a mistake. We really just did not do our research on it. And I did some research on it, but I really could not find an answer with the uh, searches that I was trying to do in Google. But one of our site members so far said that he thinks that the watch has something to do with um, Disney World Japan. Is that correct? Yeah, he was saying, I have his comment right in front of me. It says, I've heard they're doing a Disney World-esque thing where that watch will be how you interact with a lot of stuff in the park. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we believe it to be. Again, not 100% on this, but our buddy Zofar, he's pretty in touch with the world, and uh, you know, I tend to believe him on that. Yeah. All right, so uh, moving on from our clean hole, <laughs> I just wanted to make a quick apology. I did the music for the last show, and I'm a little upset that I didn't include any rush after we discussed the death of Neil Peart. So I have made it my mission to actually include some Rush in this show in honor of that musical genius and uh, band that I really, really love. Yeah, so moving on from that, let's go ahead and go into the concert cast. Sean, do you have anything on the agenda? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. There are like five or six shows on my radar, and I had every intention of 
checking my calendar and buying a bunch of concert tickets before this recording, but I didn't get around to it. So um, I don't have much to report on as far as scores, but I probably will next time, depending on which shows I decide to go to or which ones my schedule will allow me to go to, because I'm getting into that situation where over the next three or four months, I have two or three or four shows a month going on. And I got to be careful because I go to obviously different places and every once in a while shows will overlap with each other. Now it's never happened to me where I bought conflicting tickets, thank goodness, but I have to be wary of that. So no tickets yet, but I did go to a show. I saw this band called Sloan, which I have mentioned on the show before I don't think we've ever gotten their music onto an episode, so I guess now's the time. So that'll be my one musical request for this episode. They're a band that I've been listening to since I was in grade school. When I was in, I think it was fourth or fifth grade, and I might have told this story on the air already, or maybe I told it when I was on Retro Fandango because I was talking to Kevin about this band because they're from Canada. When I was in like fourth or fifth grade, my friend John, he had the cool older sister who was like a couple grades older than us. She actually gave me a cassette tape of Sloan's second album called Twice Removed. And she said, you know, I'm not really into this, but I think you'll like it. Not only just because of the kindness of that gesture and how cool I thought she was and still think she is, but... um. That album just ended up being one of my all-time favorites, and it still is. The album came out, I believe, 94, so probably about 95, 96 was when I first heard it. I've been a fan of the band, not as intensely as I was back then. I think they took like one short hiatus, but they have like 15, 20 albums over the years. They started out as like an indie band with like heavy influences of the Beatles and the Beach Boys, and then... As the years went on, they experimented more with like the ACDC sound and like ELO and Boston, like all these like classic radio rock bands, but like putting their own twist on it. And uh, I just really love them. And I did see them when I was in high school in like 1998 or 99. So it was cool to see them after so long. And it's kind of crazy like I saw Slater Kinney recently and that was another band that I saw back in like 2000 so to like see these bands like after all this time it's such a really cool experience so the show that I went to they're doing a tour of their album Navy Blues which came out in 98 which is their fourth full album it's probably the last album that they put out that I really loved front to back It's cool because Sloan, being from Canada, they don't come down to Texas very often. And they played in Austin two years ago. And I didn't go because as much as I love the band, their broad body of work is not like super familiar to me. So I just wasn't into it. But then after that show, I kind of regretted not going, to be quite honest. I thought, wow, they almost never come to Texas. That was their first time coming to Texas in 14 years. (laughs) So I was like, damn, I really should have just went to that damn show. But uh, lo and behold, they are touring or toured on Navy Blues and played the entire album. And then they took a little break and came out and played another set of like just 
career spanning song. So I still got the, <laughs> I still got a good amount of songs that were new to me, but they played a bunch of old stuff in this like second set of songs. And they played my favorite Sloan song of all time, which is a song called Deeper Than Beauty, which um, is a really cool song because there's no bass in it. It just has this jangly guitar and drum beat, like this steady drum beat. It's such a rad song. I love the lyrics. And they played that song. So that was really, really cool. I got Corey into the band because I talked him into going with me and he had a really good time. It was actually at the Moody Theater, not the Moody Theater though, it was like ACL Live. This is where you saw Judas Priest and I've seen a bunch of shows, but it was actually in this place called the 310 Club or 310 ACL or something. It's actually like a smaller venue underneath the Moody Theater and it's a really, really nice little club. And I told Corey, like, wow, this place is really cool. And I will definitely, like, keep this on my radar if anybody plays here to come back. Because it was a just a really nice, clean, open, not outdoor, but the whole, like, front of the building is just wide open to the street. Like, just a very cool ambiance and atmosphere. But yeah, Sloan, that's my that's it for my concert cast. But they're a very important band to me. And I've just really love especially the early part of their career just a great band awesome man well speaking of overlapping shows uh, i've got some good news and some bad news <laughs> i had planned on going to see tycho and they are actually playing in raleigh on may 29th which is actually my wife and i's anniversary so last year we saw Judas Priest on our anniversary, and this year our plan was to go see Tycho. That's the bad news. We're not going to be able to go this year. But the good news is, is we've already booked our stuff for Austin. So we are coming out to Austin again this year. So you and I are going to have to find some sort of show to go to this time. I think we uh, owe that to ourselves and to our listeners to have a dual concert cast in which we actually attend the same show. I think that would be awesome. And with you doing your CrossFit, you can get in the mosh pit and throw elbows with the little teeny boppers who go off at these shows. I don't want to hurt anybody with these new guns, man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You got to be careful. <laughs> but in other concert cast news, I had mentioned in the last show that I'm going to see Bit Brigade. And we talked a little bit about them and what they do. Well, they announced the actual games that they're going to be running. Yes, I said games. There's actually two games that they're doing. And, man, I am so excited because I've never seen either of these games beaten, nor have I beaten them myself. But they're going to be doing two games on the NES, Double Dragon and Ninja Gaiden. So that is going to be an incredible show. I love the music in both games. And so that's going to be neat. And just seeing someone play through these titles, which both are really, really tough titles to beat, is going to be an incredible experience. That sounds awesome, man. I cannot wait to hear about that. All right, then. From ConcertCast, let's roll into news. Now, Sean, I saw on Twitter, and I'm sure this grabbed your attention, that there is a new toy kaiju film coming out. Yeah, so I don't want to be like coming off as I'm some authority on this. I think I treat movies, even kaiju movies, even Japanese movies the same way I treat video games, which is that 
I'll be excited about it when it's out and when it's in my hands or when I'm in the theater watching it. I don't get into like pre-release hype. So take everything I say. I'm not like a super expert on what's going on here. I'm not on the cutting edge of the news, but apparently they're making an, a live action Ultraman movie called Shin Ultraman. And Hideaki Anno is involved. He co-directed Shin Godzilla, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I am really excited. I love Hideaki Anno. I'm actually not well-versed in the Ultraman universe. I know what it is and I know the character, but I definitely have time to brush up because they're looking at a 2021 release in Japan. So Mm -hmm. hopefully this comes over to the West. Otherwise, I'll just bootleg it. But I'm definitely excited to eventually see this. Well, if you need copies of some Ultraman seasons... I actually have some. Cool. <laughs> yeah. This is a show that I actually grew up with. Uh used to come on on Saturdays on one of the local channels. They would play dubbed versions of uh, Ultraman. I loved it and still love it to this day and have even played a few episodes for my kids who uh, really enjoyed it. I wouldn't call myself an expert on it by any means. It's just um, something that I enjoyed from my childhood. And uh, it's really cool. And I don't know if this is the same movie or not, but I had seen on Twitter that there was talk of a kaiju film based on the aftermath of the kaiju. And as far as what they're doing with these defeated kaiju, like what they're doing with the bodies and its impact on Japan. And did you see anything about this one? I actually don't know anything about this one, but it sounds intriguing. Yeah, I think so, too. But there was a lot of negative feedback about this about how it wasn't like a true kaiju movie and um you know i'm kind of the opposite on this i think it'll be very very interesting because if you think about it the kaiju films basically started due to nuclear war right it's something that kind of came out of that and that's how these monsters developed and so i kind of feel like looking at it from the aftermath perspective is sort of a fulfillment of where that series should go. I mean, you can't just continue to have kaiju and, you know, once they're defeated, you know, more coming up and more coming up. There has to be some resolution to all this. And, you know, for that reason, I think it's going to be somewhat of a cool film. What are your thoughts on that? And I guess, you know, kind of hearing about this for the first time. No, that does sound like a cool concept because I'm just thinking about like, all the Godzilla movies, you know, there's a lot of references in the story to like, oh, the last time this happened, but it's like all the buildings are standing. You were able to rebuild the city like how many times now? And it's like a fresh (laughs) city to be destroyed with every new movie. So it is an interesting take. And I also, as you were saying it, I just want to throw out there that the Godzilla fandom, the Kaiju fandom is the same as any other fandom you know, be it Star Wars, Marvel, anything where no matter what gets announced, no matter what it is, no matter who's doing it, people are going to come out excited for it and people are going to come out pissed about it. It's the same thing, same drama, same, you know, noise on the internet. So just take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, absolutely. You know, wait till it comes out. Let's see what it is first. You know, you you never know. You might have a, a diamond in the rough there, you know? Yeah. So kind of bouncing off of that, I wanted to talk about the Godzilla PS4 game. Is this something that you're familiar with? Oh, am I? (laughs) Do you own a copy of this game? 
So let me tell you, you just gave me a chance to flex. <laughs> Thank you so much for just alley-ooping this chance to flex on me because it's happening more and more often as games I've been collecting for long enough that games are rising and falling in value that are have just been sitting on my shelf. But I bought this game when it came out, not right when it came out, so I didn't pay $60 for it. I bought it when it was cheap for about $20. It's still sitting on my shelf sealed. And if I ever want to play it, I'm just going to download, and I think it might already be on my PS3, the Japanese version of the game. As long as the PS4 game stays valuable, I probably won't open it because I don't need to. Yeah. Do you know why this game has jumped up in price so much? Because Godzilla is awesome and everybody <laughs> wants a copy of this game. No, <laughs> actually, I heard reason. like most people say the game is not that good, to be quite honest. Like it looks cool, but yeah. the main criticism I've heard of it is that it has no depth and it's fun for about 10 minutes to just smash stuff, but then you're done with it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if it just had a very low print run or, or whatnot, but yeah, I, I, Grabbed. I was lucky to grab it when I did, just being a Godzilla fan, and I just never cracked it open. So, okay. lucky me. Yeah, another Dingleberry we might have to research there. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's commanding a price of probably double what a new game is. I think it's selling for around 120 bucks right now, which is crazy for a PS4 game, unless it's you know like limited run or something like that. You know. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the last show, but RF Generation is currently doing a top 20 and we're going through all of the systems and members are making a list in private of their top 20 games and sending it to one of our members, Easy Racer, who actually started the project and he's sort of putting those in order and he has created a list. Our NES list, we made those lists in January, and it came out in February, and you can find that on our front page right now. And in a few days, which will be after this recording, you will also find our top SNES games on the front page. And then this month, we are actually doing the Sega Genesis, and I've already turned my list in. Sean, are you participating in this one? I haven't done it yet. I wonder if I should for these classic consoles. I don't... You know, I have my favorites, but I'm not as passionate about it as some of you guys are. But I missed the NES vote. Where where does one go to participate in this? Well, Sean, you can actually find this at RFGeneration.com in our community forums under the heading Video Game Generation. I think it's just a few places down. And each time we have a new vote, there's actually a new thread that comes up for each system. So you can follow along that way. And that usually gets posted at the first of each month. Awesome. I'm in. I will start looking for those threads and I'll definitely put in my two cents and five games as well. <laughs> and the good thing about following the threads as well is that not only does he do the top 20 that comes out on the front page, but he lists some of the other games that didn't quite make it in the top 20 in each thread, which is really, really cool to see ones that just kind of made it outside the cusp. And with the Super Nintendo recently, there are a few games on there that I don't have in my collection that I'm really going to need to do some research on and see if it's something, you know, I might want to add. So it's very informative and just a really cool project because everyone has 
different favorite games, and it's interesting to see what everybody loves and what everyone plays. And uh, yeah, it's just a really, really cool project, and uh, excited to be part of that. into recent pickups you want to go first oh yeah oh i got some fun stuff i'll start with something that i forgot to mention last month so i got this kind of a while back but i haven't mentioned it on the on the show and i would recommend anybody who has a ps3 grab one of these it's the playstation 3 blu-ray player remote control Uh, What's cool about this remote is that it Bluetooths to your PS3, so you don't have to have a clear line of sight to it. You don't have to point it at the PS3. It just works the same way the controllers do. And it's just a useful tool if you use your PS3 as a media center, which I tend to do. My retail PS3, which is in my living room, is loaded with anime and movies and i do use it as a blu-ray player so this is a really cool thing to have and you can still get them pretty cheap i got mine off of ebay for around 10 bucks so highly recommend that (laughs) i got a game i wrote this down i didn't know if i was going to talk about it but why not it's a game called summer lesson and what this is is a psvr like waifu simulator you just basically hang out with some young lady and talk to her and do activities with her i don't know it's bordering on like incel like there's nothing sexual about it but it's one of those things you play it and it's like 
am I doing this because I have like a complete lack of real world human connection? And like, like what does this say about me? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so, no, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> when I got the PSVR rig, I had the three pack of this game, but it was in Japanese. So they command a actually pretty high price on the secondhand market. So I sold the Japanese three pack and I bought a while back the first game, which only has one girl on it. But I recently got the second game, which has two girls on it. And uh, it's the Asian version of the game, but it has English on it. So it's in Japanese with English subtitles available. So, yeah, you basically just set a schedule and it's, there's these like light RPG elements like you're a tutor, at least in the first game that that I played. I'm pretty sure the second one goes along the same path. You're tutoring these girls and just trying to get their grades up. And I forget what other attributes you're trying to increase their happiness or charisma or whatever. But all you do is just hang out with them you tell them to study and then you can do like an activity like exercise or like watching fireworks the one that was like kind of weird was <laughs> i remember playing it and the girl made a strawberry cake and puts a bite of it in your mouth and you have to like move your head towards her and she like spoons this like strawberry into your mouth and it was so friggin weird man <laughs> like <laughs> It was awesome and weird and made me feel like gross all at the same time. You know what I mean? <laughs> but again, I promise you, I 100% promise you, this isn't pornographic or sexual in any way. It's just, <laughs> it's just uncanny. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, just watch a YouTube video of it, but they're cool games. All right. All right. I got a copy for the Xbox One. I just looked on eBay and tried to find the cheapest copy of South Park, The Fractured But Whole, which is the sequel to The Stick of Truth, because as we discussed The Stick of Truth, spoiler alert, I really liked it, so uh, I wanted to play the second game, so I grabbed a cheap disc-only copy of that off eBay. And now it's time for my two big scores Bigger than the two schoolgirls that I'm tutoring in virtual reality, I got... Um, Let me guess. Uh, <laughs> you got either a new Vita or a new Nintendo handheld. What if I told you I got both of those? <laughs> <laughs> it's a sickness. So yeah, I got my fourth PlayStation Vita... And I got my fifth Nintendo 3DS. The 3DS just came yesterday. It's actually sitting right in front of me. I'm installing software onto it right now as we speak. I don't know what spurred me to get a Vita. Nothing. I just had too much money in my PayPal and I was surfing eBay. And I realized that you can buy a Japanese PlayStation Vita for about $100 from japan so i got it it's white it's beautiful i modded it immediately put a 128 gig sd card in it and i've just been rocking and rolling with it it's in perfect condition the screen was beautiful i put a screen cover on it and uh 
I would recommend if anybody out there is listening, looking for a PlayStation Vita, do exactly what I did. Buy one, a Japanese one. And the only thing that's different about it is that the circle button is confirm and the cross button is cancel. Otherwise, you just set the language to English and everything is exactly the same. It's a region free system, so you can play any games on it and you can mod it the same way you would mod a North American one if you choose to do so. It's just a cheaper way to go than trying to buy one uh, within the States. Even with shipping? Yeah. um, The one I got, because it was white, any color besides black will up the price a little bit. Mm -hmm. So the one I got was like 109 with free shipping. Okay. Definitely a good value. And now the other thing I'll point out is this is without a memory card. You can buy them with memory cards. There's always options out there, but of course they cost more. If you plan on modding it, if you buy a slim, it has one gig of internal memory. So you don't need a Sony memory card whatsoever if you're going to use the SD to Vita memory card adapter to use an SD card for memory. So my two slim Vitas don't have Sony memory cards in them at all because you can use the onboard memory for the mod. So that's something to look out for. If you buy the old school OLED Vita, you need some kind of memory card in there. Yeah. So (laughs) it is a sickness. So I got a Vita and then I was again surfing eBay and I saw this beautiful black quote new 3ds and when i say new i mean the new model of 3ds it's used uh, still confusing to this day thank you nintendo and it has hello kitty faceplates on it so it's just beautiful i love the 3ds i love the vita and the 3ds i love handheld gaming this also cost me about a hundred bucks so it's kind of a problem because you know I can't collect Nintendo Switches because they're $300 or $200 each. I'm finding it really challenging because I'm just like, oh, I could get another Vita for 100 bucks. I can get another 3DS for 100 bucks. Like, it's killing me. But that's where, <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. So Now, yeah. just a question for you. Did the Hello Kitty, is that an official release with that faceplate on it? Or is that something that someone put on that specific 3DS? I'm pretty sure it was a special edition, but believe it or not, I was more concerned that it was black because the other one I have is white. So now of the regular model new 3DS, I have a white one and a black one. Having said that, I'm going to leave the Hello Kitty faceplate on it because it's cute. These faceplates cost a lot of money if you want a cool one. So it's like, I'm not going down that rabbit hole again. I did it with my first one because it came with, I think the character's name is Lottie from Animal Crossing. And I don't know Jack about Animal Crossing. So I bought a Goomba one, but it costs like 20 bucks. So it's like, I'm not doing this faceplate thing again. I'm just going to keep the Hello Kitty on it. I don't even care. <laughs> so Yeah, I was curious about that. You know, I collect Game Boy colors, pockets and bricks mm. or play it louds. But uh, there's actually a Japanese Hello Kitty pink Game Boy out there. So 
you know, I was just curious about that. And it's one that I'm like, mm, do I really want to get that one or not? I'm definitely going to get a pink Japanese Game Boy. And I think it's Game Boy Pocket. But yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go and get the special release Game Boys, you know. Yeah, because there's so many. Yeah, there really are. And some of them can get way up there. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of system pickups, I picked up my third 2DS. <laughs> oh, see? Okay. So you got a sickness, too. You're, no, you're no. buying axe handles or axe heads. <laughs> Door wedges. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I gave my youngest son, my three-year-old, uh, the pink DS that you sold me. Oh, okay. And he was playing with that, and I started thinking, well, maybe he wants some 3DS games. And so I gave him my blue 2DS so he could play 3DS games as well, because he loves Ninja Turtles, and one of the better Ninja Turtle games comes on the 3DS. And um, I actually found one of the Legend of Zelda limited edition, you know, the um, green and yellow 2DSs. Yeah, that one's awesome. Yeah, and so I got that for myself to uh, have that as part of my collection and, you know, gave him my blue one. So, yeah, I did buy another one, but it was more like a trade-off so that he could have something. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear that uh, that pink DS light is still kicking around. Those things are built to last, man. Yeah, man. It, it's awesome. It's gone through all three of my kids, and I used it back in the day when we played Magical Star Sign, right? Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That was a long time ago I sent that. Yes, that's been quite a while ago. So as far as my other pickups, a lot of these were kind of more expensive titles. I've been selling a ton of my 1982 to 1987 G.I. Joe collection through Facebook groups, and I've even met a few people locally. And I have picked up some cool games, and um, this is going to be a list of most of those. One was Kadash for the Genesis. This is uh, a rather expensive game, complete in box. But uh, yeah, it's just a cool little um, platformer where you can play as like a warrior or a wizard. And, you know, you just run through levels and that sort of thing using magic or uh, melee attacks. Picked up a copy of Popeye on the NES. And the reason this is special is because it was the five screw version. And I've been looking for that one and another one, Ice Climber, for quite a bit of time. These are the only two that I have left to have the complete five screw collection of the black box games. Those are the only ones I'm trying to get. And then the Ice Climber actually found that their good friend Bickman2K has a five screw copy and He's just going to send me his five-screw copy in exchange for my three-screw. So I thought that was really, really cool of him to do. And, of course, I'm going to pay for his shipping to do that. So, yeah, man, that's a good deal for me, you know? That's awesome. Adam is the best guy I know on the Internet. And that doesn't include you because I've met you in person. Right. So. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, but he's so kind and he's so helpful. If you have a question about anything, he's knowledgeable about everything. Yeah. And he has a way of never giving you a smart ass answer, but he's still a very funny person, which is just an awesome combination of traits to have. He's rad. I love him. Yeah, he's great. And I have met him in person a few times and just as nice a guy in person as he is over the internet. He's one of our site directors at RF Generation, does a fantastic job with the site. So, 
All right, some other things I picked up, some more PS4 titles. I picked up a game called Risk of Rain 2 and a game called Valforous for the PS4. Now, these came from a gift certificate my wife got me for Valentine's Day. She got me a $50 gift certificate to GameStop, which is cool. Um, I had pretty much all the PS4 games I wanted, and I thought about putting it toward a pre-order, but... I didn't really know what I wanted to put it toward. And so I just went in there and I saw two games that looked pretty cool and picked those up along with a new PS3 controller, which uh, I think we'll talk about later if anyone saw my post from uh, Twitter. I also got a copy of Blasphemous from Limited Run Games, which again is just one of these sort of Castlevania Symphony of the Night-like games. It's very, very gory and just super cool. And so um watched a few videos on it, and it looked really neat. And Limited Run has great prices on new games. So, uh yeah, grab that. And then finally, I picked up three Dreamcast games. I had about four that I was trying to collect, and it just seemed like a good time with having all this money in my PayPal account. And so I grabbed a copy of Skies of Arcadia. I know that... A lot of people love this game. A lot of people hate this game. So, you know, I kind of want to see what that's all about. I love RPGs, so uh, I thought it was a good time to make that purchase. And I also grabbed the last two shmups that I needed for the system. Mars Matrix and Giga Wing 2, which I got both at fairly decent prices. And uh, just really happy to sort of finish off this Dreamcast collection. I probably have around 15 games, not a lot, but I'm not really into fighting games, and I know that's what this system is very famous for, and so I'm just trying to kind of collect just the games I like for this system. How about you, Sean? How do you collect for the Dreamcast? Um, I have a spindle of burned CDRs that I play. <laughs> no, I actually, well, I mean, I think everybody does, right? Probably not you, yeah. but, you know, the Dreamcast infamously had almost no copy protection and even back in the day it was very easy to just burn discs and get the games and nowadays you don't even need the boot disc which i don't know if you remember back in the day with the spinning reindeer on the screen uh, nowadays you don't even need that anymore so I do have a Dreamcast collection, but it's one of the collections that I will not let expand beyond the like one little square it's on in you know on the shelf. I have yeah. the games that I want to own physically and legitimately, and I'm good. Yeah, that's how I am with this system as well. Yeah. All right, that's all of my pickups. So, Sean, let's move into games play. All right, here we go again. I'm sorry, man. I wish I had more to talk about, but honestly, there's nothing new from last time. I'm still working on Tales of Hearts R on the Vita. Not my new Vita. This I'm playing this on one of my old Vitas, which is torture because I want to play something on the new one, but uh, I need to finish this game. And I am I know based on where I'm at in the game and looking at a walkthrough that I'm about three quarters of the way through and I played for about two and a half hours this morning. Again, it's a great game and I love it. And I really love the tales of series and tales of is one of those series that 
no matter what game it is that I'm playing, I haven't disliked any of them, even mildly. And I played a game called Tales of the Tempest. It's on the Nintendo DS, and it's known as being one of the worst games in the entire series. And I actually really loved it. (laughs) So it's one of those series that just won't disappoint me no matter what. So I'm trying to finish up that one. I did finish Attack on Titan 2. And I stand by what I said last month, which is that it's just awesome. If you like Attack on Titan already, definitely got to go for it. If you like high-flying action games or hack-and-slash games, this is a combination of both of those gameplay elements, which is really cool and unique. You asked me and a couple other people asked on Twitter, like, do I need to see the anime to play this game? And what I tell people is, if you are never going to watch the anime anyway, the game is fun enough that you could just get the story from the game. Because the first game is the first season, and the second game is the first two seasons. So if you have no interest in watching the show, just go for it. Just play the game. And if you've already watched the show and you liked it, definitely play the game. Because like South Park, uh, The Stick of Truth, it's a very good representation of the source material. So... Highly recommend that. And then the only other thing I've played or have been playing is Fable 2. And actually in the past week or so, I started actually playing the game with a $4.4 million bankroll, which is pretty cool to start the game with. (laughs) So (laughs) as I explained last time, the game has a real estate kind of system where you can buy properties and collect rents and collect profits. So... I spent about a week in January doing some of the jobs in the game and buying all the properties in like the first three towns and just letting the money rack up over these past couple of months. So it's kind of fun being able to just go to any shop and buy all of the most expensive things all at once. It's not cheating because it's part of the game. Uh, It's true. And it just makes it really cool to be (laughs) just be running around i can't wait to talk about this game because there's so many cool elements to it but like one of the traits you have is your attractiveness so if you buy more expensive clothes the npcs will be more attracted to you so part of having a huge bankroll is you can buy all of the most expensive clothes and accessories and people just are swooning over you on the street and it's really funny (laughs) so Uh, yeah, this game, I love it a lot and I'm psyched to play through it with people and and talk about it. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it. Nothing, nothing really extracurricular except for the same stuff as last month and just working on Fable too. So what about you? What have you been playing? Well, one of the games I mentioned that I picked up this month was the game Valforous and I got to be honest, man, I picked this game up just based on the cover art. And, uh, you know, it was just sort of this like barbaric sort of 8-bit cover guy with a machine gun and long hair. And I read the back of it and it said something about how it had like a heavy metal soundtrack and uh, the graphics looked pretty cool. So I was like, yeah, I'll give this one a shot. It wasn't very expensive at GameStop. So um I decided I would just check it out, you know, in between playing some Stick of Truth because it's sort of like a running gun, which, you know, it's easy to pick up and put down. But the cool thing about it is it actually has checkpoints. And the way you activate these checkpoints is that you find this item in the game. And so far as I've been playing it, the item is sort of in the path on your way 
to the checkpoint. So it hasn't been hard to get any of those, though I imagine as the gameplay goes on, it's going to get a little tougher. So if you like Contra, like running guns, graphically like Axiom Verge, uh, which is in that sort of 8 to 16-bit kind of look, I would highly suggest this game. It's got a really cool alien setting, and not only do you have a machine gun, but you can get machine gun upgrades. And when you get that machine gun upgrade, your guy like makes the devil horns and it like focuses in on him and he starts headbanging. So it's really cool. <laughs> the music in it's really great. You also have a sword weapon that you can use. And so, yeah, it, it's sort of like a step up in the run and gun genre. And I think like several other genres in the 8-bit era that have kind of disappeared, this is one that has sort of gone by the wayside too. And it's nice to see a really beautiful and uh, fun running gun game on a modern system, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. I'll have to check that one out as well. So as you know, in February, our game of the month was South Park, The Stick of Truth. And Sean, you came up with this question of the month. How appropriate, right? What is your favorite South Park episode? Yeah, definitely one of the easiest questions to come up with. So when I tweeted this, I got a lot of good responses. And there's so many classic episodes of this show that even for me, where I'm not like a super well-versed South Park fan, and we'll get into that, I still had a hard time picking some of my favorites. So let's start with our friend Corey, known as Turn Around and Run on the Forum. He said, make love, not Warcraft. Love the simplicity and how hilarious this episode is. Also can't help but laughing at the brutal parody of MMO players. 
<laughs> you know, that's funny. I, and I actually watched an interview with Trey Parker and he was saying how stressful the show is to make and that when they made that episode that he was like ready to call it quits. He thought it was such a bad episode that he was like in a state of deep depression and like really wanted really? to quit the show. And uh, he was happy that, that he was able to laugh about how it became one of their most popular episodes. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I remember seeing that one. And from what I remember, it was very well received at the time, too. And funny to me, because I was an MMORPG player at the time. <laughs> right. I was playing Warcraft. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I mean, even I get a kick out of it, which is uh, kind of the genius of South Park is um, you get to laugh at yourself sometimes, right? Yep. Engineer Mike, he says, the favorite that comes to mind is when obnoxious Harley riders come to town and the kids start referring to them as fat. Now, <laughs> we're going to get into <laughs> the offensive nature of the show. And one of the main like tropes of the show is the main characters who are eight and nine-year-old children using language that they don't fully understand. And I vaguely remember this episode. I believe that's the trope that was going on in that episode. Yeah, it's one I haven't seen, so I can't really comment on that Okay. <laughs> Uh, next, we have the aforementioned Adam Bickman 2K, who says, Good times with weapons. So many classic moments, along with the anime theme song, make it one I've seen way more than others. <laughs> now, have you seen this one, Rich? I have not. Oh, my God. You got to look this one up. It is just classic and... For me as an anime fan, because it's a it's a send up of anime and they do the characters as like anime characters. Yeah. Wait, is this the one where they're like going to get guns or whatever? Is that the one? I don't know. I don't think so. OK, <laughs> so they buy weapons at like a fair and they buy like nunchucks and ninja stars from a dealer. And the whole plot is that their parents can't know that they have like these real weapons. And then they're having this play fight where they're all anime characters. And they say, Kenny, throw your ninja star. And he throws it into Butter's eye and it flashes <laughs> to reality. And Butter's has a ninja star in his eyeball and he's bleeding all over the place. <laughs> and it just goes from there. But and then. Adam here mentions the theme song, which is so funny, like the broken English of Japanese, like bad translations to English and then singing versions of it. It's hard to explain, but if you know what I'm talking about, you know, and it's it's just really funny. Yeah, so once again, hitting too close to home. I was one of those kids that would go to the flea market and get nunchucks and throwing stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you would really love that episode. <laughs> it's definitely in like my top five. So next we got Buried on Mars, Kevin. He says, you have zero friends, a.k.a. the Facebook episode. I love the social commentary episodes, and they nailed everything that is right and wrong with social media while accurately predicting its upcoming importance 10 years ago. Also, Guitar Queero is pretty spot on. So he mentions two, and I believe I saw Guitar Queero back in the day, but I've never seen the Facebook one. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Okay, I'm going to have to. I mean, I'll get to it because I'm currently watching the whole series. And then last, we have Steven Eider with, <laughs> I guess it's called Took Our Jobs, the one where the hobos are like zombies. Brilliant. 
And that's the one where, <laughs> where the, um, there's like, uh, time traveling people who come back in time who work for low wages. And it's a whole parody of, you know, immigration, the, People who are against immigration. They took our jobs. Like it's <laughs> it's it's funny. It's really good. You know that was from one of the earlier seasons. So way way pre Trump era, pre build the wall era, using immigration as a topic for comedy. So yeah. So that's all our responses from Twitter. And I asked my wife, and she said <laughs> she I couldn't think of which episode this was. It's one of the earlier ones where Cartman is having a tea party in his backyard and he's playing with Polly Prissy pants. Because <laughs> I asked my wife, face? yeah, that's a, that's what my wife said. I, I asked her and she's like, the one with Polly Prissy pants. And I was like, yeah, they blend together after a while. But yeah, the one where he's having a tea party with his toys in the backyard. Now, did you know that you could friend Polly Prissy pants in Stick of Truth? Oh no, I don't think I don't think I did. <laughs> She's on the bed in Cartman's room, and so you just have to go in the room and have Cartman in your party. Oh, and that's talk perfect. To her and you friend her. Yeah, it's great. All right. So, what's yours, Rich? Mine is something that we see quite often in Stick of Truth, and it has to be season three, episode 11's Chin Pokemon. I love that episode. I think yeah. it's so funny. At that time, Pokemon was all the rage. All the kids were collecting it and stuff, and as it does now, it was getting on my nerves then as well. So, you know, just <laughs> for them to do an episode about that was so awesome. And uh, just the Japanese using the cartoons and the toys to take over the U.S. And the uh, Americans have such big penises, you know. <laughs> yeah. We have such small penises. I love that. It was so great. And, you know, that's how they, especially the male townspeople, that's how they got around them, yep. you know, snooping into what they were really doing. So uh, it's hilarious, man. Still my favorite episode. How about you? That's awesome. So I'm in a bit of a conflict because I'm currently watching every episode of South Park and I'm only up to season nine. So I have um, only. <laughs> what's that? Only up to season nine. <laughs> well, there's 23 episodes, so I'm not even halfway through. 23 seasons or just. No, I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Nine? 23 seasons. I'm, I misspoke. Yeah. Tw there's 23 seasons, so I'm not even halfway through the seasons. The thing is, the earlier seasons have way more episodes. And once you get past like season 13 or 14 there are only 10 episodes a piece so mm -hmm. the back half will go a lot quicker than the first half but um it used to be see this is where my conflict is because i haven't rewatched this episode but if you ask me before we played this game and before i started rewatching the show it was the one where cartman wants a wii and Nobody can get a Wii because when the Wii first came out, they were very hard to get a hold of. So he time travels into the future to get one from a museum. And it's just really funny because one of the gags in the show is that Cartman is in the future for so long that he becomes like assimilated into the society and he becomes this like sci-fi action hero, like in this future world when the other kids go to like rescue him. And uh, I always thought that was really funny. And I love the episodes that are about video games. There's an episode with where the PSP is a main <laughs> like part of the plot. 
And there's one where the Dreamcast is referenced and, you know, the Guitar Hero episode was just mentioned and there's all kinds of other ones. But actually, in my rewatching, the one that I really liked that I saw recently was from season seven. The episode is called Raisins, and I believe it's the first appearance of the goth kids, and it's the one where Stan becomes a goth kid. Uh, Wendy dumps him for seemingly no reason. This episode is so funny, and there's two gags in particular One is, (laughs) the joke is that Wendy and Stan won't talk directly to each other. So (laughs) Stan tells Jimmy to go tell Wendy that she's a continuous source of inspiration. So Jimmy goes over to Wendy and he (laughs) he starts going, Stan says you're a cunt. Stan says you're a cunt. Stan says you're a cunt. (laughs) it's just i was pissing myself laughing consider that a dirty joke now there's a clean joke in this that is just a classic reversal gag where stan is talking to bebe who is one of wendy's friends and he says like how do i get her to come back to me and she says all you got to do is stand outside of her window with a boombox playing Peter Gabriel. So it cuts to him outside with the boombox over his head and it starts playing shock the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I was just like rolling laughing because that's like yeah. you have like one of the best dirty jokes in the show and one of the best clean jokes I've ever seen. And they're all in this one episode, plus you get the goth kids. It's just such a good episode. I didn't even mention the whole Raisins subplot, which is like a parody of Hooters or these other restaurants with like, you know, big breasted uh, waitresses and Butters falls in love with one of the waitresses. That's like the the other plot. Oh, man, what a good episode. (laughs) It's so hilarious. We have to mention that Raisins is like women with smaller busts, right? Right. (laughs) Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the joke. There once was a maiden from st- 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 from st- st- Stoneberry Hollow. She didn't talk much, but boy did she sw- boy did she sw- swallow. I had a nice man that she said that she said set up her the maiden from Stoneberry who is also your mom. So before we start talking about our game, how about we start talking a little bit about our histories with the show? I'll start off because I think yours is far more interesting than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being a junior in college. I had a roommate and I didn't have a computer at the time, so I had to use his computer. And I remember him saying, hey, man, you got to see the show. It's called South Park. And I was like, OK, I'll check it out. So this would have been... 97, 98 era. And um, it was actually the pilot episode, the Jesus versus Santa Claus episode. And he showed that to me. And I swear, I must have watched that 50 times. I thought it was (laughs) hilarious. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. It was just so wrong in so many ways. But, you know, it was just so funny. And um, I remember him saying, you know, I I think they're going to make a show out of this. And, uh, us just sort of like crossing our fingers like, oh, man, I really hope they make the show. And uh, it did. It came to fruition, you know, off of something that was just from what I remember was an Internet sensation. And, yeah, I probably watched the first 
uh, I would say maybe three seasons of the show, and it, I just kind of got out of watching it for no good reason except, you know, just being busy in life. But, uh, yeah, I still watch it every once in a while. I think it's a really great show and, and still as funny as it was from the beginning to this day. Yeah, so I want to give you a tiny technical correction just so nobody else calls it out. I believe that Cartman Gets an Anal Probe is technically the pilot episode. The Jesus versus Santa Claus thing was like somewhat of a short film that was used to, whether it was used to pitch the concept or whatever. Um, right, right. Okay. So season one, episode one, Cartman Gets an Anal Probe is, I believe, technically the pilot. So, just, Right, but I, th I think the Santa versus Jesus was the first thing that came out for what I might remember. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was definitely like chronologically came before. Yeah, yeah. That first like full episode. And we keep calling it Jesus versus Santa Claus. There was a name for it, something Christmas related, <laughs> which is on the tip of my tongue, but they had a, a actually a few like short films that got passed around and were like the cool thing to watch on the internet. You know, it's funny to think that this show, like, it started airing in 97. And, like, one thing I remember very vividly, I was at a punk show watching bands play. And somebody made a joke about South Park. And then somebody was like, oh, yeah, 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 this kid over here, he has the best Cartman. Get him, get him up there. And he actually went up on stage and started doing, like, no, that's my pot pie. And everybody was cracking up. And I'm like what the hell is going on? Like, I didn't know anything about it. And uh, I just came to find out, oh, it's this funny show. It's kind of like Beavis and Butthead, only different. It's like The Simpsons, only different. And uh, it started just becoming more and more popular. And I never watched it regularly. But like I said, there are many episodes that are just vivid. And I remember very clearly. And... It's kind of surprising because what I'm doing now is I didn't watch any episodes before we started playing the game. So I'm going to admit, actually, a lot of the references in the game were pretty lost on me because many of them are from the earlier seasons. Yes. So either I don't remember them at all or they're just buried that deep in my memory that I didn't even get like... Why are the aliens saying moo, you know, and that's from <laughs> it's from that first episode where the first beings that the aliens encounter are the cows in South Park. So what I'm doing now is just watching the entire show, um, trying to watch every episode. I will watch every episode. And I thought at first, oh, I'll just jump in and watch a couple episodes or one season or something. So I ended up watching them all out of order. I watched season seven. And then I watched season eight and then I realized there were a couple episodes I wanted to see. One of the more infamous episodes is Scott Tennerman must die, which I don't know if you remember that one. That's the one where Cartman yeah. feeds this kid, his parents in the chili. Do you know this episode? No. <laughs> okay. Well, it's one of the, definitely one of the more out there episodes. So that's actually season five. So then I had to go back and watch five and six. And then while I was that far back, I said, I might as well start from the beginning. So then I watched one, two, three, four. And now I'm working on, like I said, I'm working on season nine. And actually some of the episodes I really want to see, like the Wii episode I was talking about and the World of Warcraft episode are in season 10. 
because the show has a reputation for still being funny. So I'm very, very interested to see like the past five seasons, like up until recent times, like what is it actually like? But I got to tell you, I haven't been this way since we played whatever Batman game it was that got me on such a Batman kick that I read like 20 Batman graphic novels, like back to back to back. The Telltale. Yeah. Enemy Within or something like that. Yeah. But now I'm in this South Park world now, and I, I'm just really enjoying the show. I think it's, it's funny as hell. It's really entertaining. I dare to say it's one of the funniest animated shows of all time and one of the best, you know, as far as Western animation goes. I'm just really into the whole thing right now and enjoying the hell out of it. So funny. And there's, you know, there's some episodes that are duds, but there's none that were like, that was really stupid. That was really bad. You know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, some of them don't reach for the stars or whatever, but most of them are at least entertaining. And they're only 20, (laughs) 21, 22 minutes long. If you count out the credits, some of the seasons don't have the opening theme song, but you count that out count the end credits out you're sitting at like the length of a youtube video and it becomes very easy to binge like i could watch four or five episodes in one sitting so it's great it's fun yeah you know if cartman needed a wee he could have just come to 2020 holy (laughs) (laughs) yeah Oh, and you know what? There's there's one other tidbit I wanted to mention while I'm rambling about the show before we get into the game. Did you know that the show was actually remastered because when they went up through season, I believe it was 13, it was 480p standard definition, but they actually went back and remastered every single episode from season one, excluding the pilot episode. They didn't mess with that one, but from episode two... Until it was uh, widescreen HD, they remastered every episode to be widescreen HD. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's really neat. And so every episode that you watch has the same look and feel. It really goes a long way for, like I said, binge watching (laughs) like full seasons at a time. It's really cool if you look into like how they managed to do that and why. And, and just when I went into the background of that, it was, it was a pretty cool thing that they were able to do that. You know, a lot of this stuff ends up getting lost to time, especially when it's a production of like two guys, you know, pasting construction paper together. But it turns out they saved like everything they did digitally and that they were able to, you know, revamp all the episodes in that aspect ratio and in HD. So I thought that was pretty fascinating and awesome. Finally you come along. Baby love, explain yourself, baby girl. Lead out, lead out, lead out, lead out, lead out. Tell it, girl, girl, flip so Time to have sex. Long time you have the road, boy, you have sweet girl, flex. Time to have sex. Look how long you have the road, boy, you have sweet, I rather wait. 
out of patience. Love it, she get that will be sufficient. I rather wait till I can wait no more. X amount of loving, I pour me a little. Just to hear she knock on the door. Only to touch her, me no one, not no more girl flicks. Time to have sex. Look how long you have the road, why you sweat girl flicks. Time to have sex. Look how long you have the road wire before she reach. I could smell her perfume. I could no wait to get her in the room before she reach. I could smell her perfume. I could no wait to get her in. Feel like a surgeon. Prepare the surgery. But I hope the little girl that shot me for perjury. Action with the injection. Work it, work it. Girl, I got into plan, girl, flex. Time to have sex. Look how long you have the road wire, sweet girl, flex. Time to have sex. Look how long you have the road wire. No mirror, can't tickle up me fancy. Skin to skin, profound dessert. All right, let's get into some game talk. And so, our participants this month, there were you and I, Dougley007, Mr. Stubbs, Bickman 2K, Shaggy, Zofar 53, Wild Bill 52, and a newcomer to our playthrough, Degen X, who I wanted to just send a special shout out to. Thanks for playing, man. And you guys will later hear some of his final thoughts on the game. South Park The Stick of Truth was originally released March 4, 2004 for Windows, PS3, and Xbox 360. It was developed by Obsidian Entertainment and published by Ubisoft. It's based on the very popular and still going strong TV animated series, South Park. The game was subject to censorship in some areas due to content, but praised for its script and sticking to the source material. It has a sequel called The Fractured But Whole, as Sean mentioned previously, and that was released in October 2017. Stick of Truth was also re-released February 2018 on PS4 and Xbox One, and in September 2018 on the Switch. It's important to know about these later South Park games that Trey Parker and Matt Stone were directly involved in the production. Yeah, so one of the fascinating things I found out about this game, I was watching a interview with Fargus Ucart, and I know I pronounced that wrong, but he's the co-founder and CEO of Obsidian. And he mentioned that Trey and Matt reached out directly to Obsidian to make this game, which was interesting because he noted that that's not usually how licensing happens. It goes through the publisher Mm -hmm. and then the publisher picks a developer or they develop it themselves or whatever. So it was interesting that, you know, because Trey and Matt are such gamers that they reached out directly to Obsidian. And he also noted that their first priority in development was to make the game look like an episode of South Park. So what they did was they made a demo that was just the characters walking around a room or around one of the houses. And they knew that they were doing the right thing when Trey and Matt were like impressed by how the textures looked exactly like paper and there was like little shadows from where the paper would be sitting on another layer of paper. So I thought that was really cool. Like their prime directive was to make the game look right before they did anything else. So I thought that was very interesting. 
Yeah, man, that's really interesting that they reached out to Obsidian to do this game. Um, so it wasn't mentioned specifically, like if there were any Obsidian games that, you know, Trey and Matt keyed on to get interested in them as a developer. But I think it was just that they're known fans of Western style RPGs and they are fans of stuff like the Elder Scrolls series and other Western RPGs and wanted a game that was like that. So that's why they reached out. Now, what I want to ask you, actually, is because we've we talked about our history with South Park, as important as that is our history with Obsidian, and I'm saying that because I'm a huge, huge fan of Obsidian, so I'm wondering for you, Rich, have you ever played some of their bigger games are like Fallout New Vegas, Alpha Protocol, Pillars of Eternity, I mean, The Outer Worlds just came out. I'm thinking like Knights of the Old Republic 2, Dungeon Siege 3. All these games are really favorites of mine. Is this stuff that you're into at all? Uh, No, I've played none of those games. (laughs) (laughs) If I've played an Obsidian game, it was through this playthrough. So I don't recall any Obsidian games that we actually played. 99.9% sure this is the first time we've played for the playthrough any obsidian game so that's good but (laughs) but i just i they're actually one of my favorite developers i i mean i played knights of the old republic too just a couple months ago Mm -hmm. and it was fantastic fallout new vegas doug in our year-end episode named that as his game of the decade and that's something i would definitely stand behind that game is fantastic you know they have a lot of experience with actual crpgs like computer a little bit deeper than what i'm used to kind of stuff like the neverwinter nights and those pillars of eternity games but i actually like their more console friendly you know the outer worlds and fallout style games stick of truth is almost a blend of the two genres it actually has a lot of jrpg elements which is kind of different for them and we'll get into that but I just wanted to throw out like part of my excitement to play this game. It was more excitement to play an Obsidian game than to play a South Park game because at the time I wasn't, you know, like, okay, a South Park. I remember that show being kind of funny, whatever. But an opportunity to play an Obsidian game was very exciting to me. Yeah, that's cool, man. All right, so I wanted to go ahead and get into the story of the game. What's really cool about this game is it's almost like you're playing an episode of South Park, right? Yeah. It just really flows really well from one part to the next. Of course, the game runs around 10 hours or so, so you know it doesn't have the timing of an actual episode, but I imagine they could probably condense it down (laughs) into maybe a few shows if they wanted to. But I thought what I would do for this, Sean, it seems that sometimes we struggle with the story of a game and trying to explain to our listeners what it's all about. So I came up with this concept called Story in 60 Seconds, and I kind of wrote out something regarding the story. And I don't know if this is going to be a segment of the podcast from now on, but I wanted to give it a shot. So here goes. The kids in South Park have taken to LARPing and have broken into two warring factions, the humans and the elves. Both sides battle for control of the Stick of Truth, a legendary relic that allows the bearer to control the universe or uh, make up the rules of the game. (laughs) You play as the new kid, a silent protagonist who wields a mighty power which both sides vie for favor. 
Will you join the humans or the elves? And what happens when a third party gets involved and Taco Bell comes to town to extend its franchise? Will you survive the fantastical world of South Park and obtain the stick of truth? Best of luck. And remember, never fart on another man's balls. (laughs) (laughs) That was great, man. You should write back of the box synopses for (laughs) games, man. I think you got a new calling. Oh, yeah. We might have to try this out in a few episodes. I kind of really enjoyed writing it. As somebody who struggles recounting and summarizing (laughs) game stories, I'm all for it. I like it. I want to throw out here, too, again, because I'm binging tons of episodes of South Park. That Have you seen the, the Lord of the Rings episode? I can't remember if I have or not. So it's one of the earlier episodes, and it's without a doubt partly the inspiration for this. It's funny, and the A plot is that the kids rent Lord of the Rings, and Stan's parents rent a porno for themselves, and the tapes get switched, and hilarity ensues (laughs) so it's definitely it's a funny episode and actually watching it after playing the game i was like oh that's where some of that came from (laughs) that's great man so as sean just mentioned the setting is sort of this dungeons and dragons slash lord of the rings fantasy setting and you play as the new kid in south park which is really cool because you get to customize your character right sean Yeah, the character creation is, I mean, it's similar to Saints Row the Third, where the comedy is woven into every part of the game. And it's Mm -hmm. like right off the bat with the character creation, like one of the skin tones is like New Jersey spray tan or something. (laughs) Like (laughs) It's very funny, like right from the jump. Yeah, I think there's one called Jew as well or something like that. Uh, Yeah, Jew is a character (laughs) class, I think. (laughs) It is. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I'm kind of curious with the character creation. What type of character did you create? I can't remember if you could go with a female in this instance or not, but uh, I imagine that would kind of change the entire concept of the story if you did. Yeah, you actually can't. Um, So it has to be a male character, but I just went with tried to make one that was like me, I guess, you know, just a normal. And we should mention like the character customization, it only goes so far because once you start the game, your accessories and your armor and your everything shows on your character. Mm -hmm. So it's not to say your character creation goes out the door, but as soon as you start using item, not using items, but using accessories, there's hairstyles, facial hair, scars, face paint, like all kinds of crazy stuff that you're just customizing your character throughout the entire game and not just at the beginning of the game. Yeah. And just to kind of tell you about my character as well, what I did, of course, you know, you couldn't be a female character in this game. So I thought, hmm, what could I do different? So I decided to go with an African-American character, because if you're a fan of the South Park show, you know that the only African-American character in the game is aptly named Token, right? Yeah. So I, I decided, yeah, I'm going to go with this. And I'm glad I did, because what they kind of worked into the game is whatever uh, race scheme that you end up picking the parents looked the same. So I thought that was kind of a neat concept. And uh, so it actually meant that I was dodging a large sack of black nuts at one point (laughs) in the game. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Is this what this is going to be like? (laughs) Yeah, I probably shouldn't say that. I I mean, is that over the line? 
Oh, no, I don't think so. It's just like the, to talk about this game, you just got to have, to have this crazy <laughs> come out constantly, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, I don't even know where to pick it up from there. Well. That's what you see. <laughs> <laughs> You love Chimpoko Mom? Yes. Well, now you can buy your very own. I've got to buy Chimpoko Mom. I've got to buy it. I've got to buy it. Now you can collect them all. Furry cat, donkey trunk, penguin, shoe, lamb toy. Collect them all and you can become Royal Crown Chimpoko Master. Royal Crown Chimpoko Master? Holy shit. All the Chimpoko Manor in stores now. Chimpoko Mom is super you love toy number one. So yeah, um, like you said, in Saints Row the Third, it's kind of neat to be able to design your own character and just love the way that it, it just gets implemented into the game and you're able to change throughout, you know, facial hair, different things, you know, as far as the costuming is concerned to kind of, you know, really make the character your own. And I thought that was a great choice for this game instead of giving you a pre-made character like most games do. Yeah, totally agree. So along with the new kid, you've got your regular cast of South Park characters, which includes the hilarious Cartman. You got Kyle. You got Stan. You got Kenny, who you pretty much figure is going to die at some point. <laughs> and then you've got Jimmy and Butters, I think, are the characters that you get to control in the game. You start off with the new kid, and as we mentioned, this is an RPG, so you're doing a lot of fighting. But then later on, you get to kind of select which other character you want to join you in fighting, depending on which faction you choose, whether you're with the humans or the elves, right? Yep, and this is very similar to a lot of Obsidian games or the Western-style games in general, like a Bioware or a Bethesda game, where you will start out with one companion and then slowly build your party as the story goes on. And I kind of like the way... At least in my playthrough, I started with Butters as my companion and then add, mm-hmm. you know, add people as the game goes on and you can select different ones in battle and they have contextual actions both within the story and with the gameplay. So I like the party system in this game a lot, actually. Yeah, it's fun and you've only got two party members, so it's, you know, it's not so confusing and really the only party member that you can equip with weapons is yourself. So that gives a little bit of an ease and makes it sort of like an RPG light in that sense. So before we get too deep into the gameplay, uh, let's talk about what we played the game on, Sean. Oh, I played on the PS3. I bought a used copy off of eBay, just like, <laughs> just like I did with the second game. I don't know, this kind of game, it's not going to end up on my shelf on display i probably will just pass it along or give it to somebody now that i'm done with it but yeah i just was trying to find the cheapest way to play it so ps3 for me what about you Uh, same thing ps3 okay Um, i already own the game and also own the fractured butthole and uh i just heard so much about it i knew it was a game i was going to get around to playing and you and i've been talking about playing this game for maybe three years now uh, it's been nuts, and we finally got around to it. I think there were just some other titles we wanted to do, and uh, especially when it comes to RPGs. I-, I think I was a little hesitant about this one because I love RPGs, and I just didn't know how in-depth and how satisfying this game would be. Yeah, which is interesting because it turns out 
to be, like you said, very surface level. It's deep enough, but it's not super technical. And I think part of the fun of the game is just running around in the South Park world rather than getting tangled up in (laughs) RPG mechanics. You know, they put just enough of that kind of stuff into the game where you can enjoy the story and the characters more. But the game is still like satisfying from an RPG perspective. It's funny that you say that uh, about being able to run around the town and that sort of thing, because as I was playing the game, there was a point where I could actually explore the town, and it was at the very beginning of it, right? I found myself, for at least the first three hours of the game, just running around the town and going into all the shops and checking everything out, you know, checking all the drawers and stuff in every house that I could get into, the garages... (laughs) And smacking everything with your sword, every mailbox, every parking meter, just because money would fall out of them. Yeah, I was doing the same thing, knocking over snowmen and and the looting. We'll we'll get back to that, but go on. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was it was sort of like I'm not even questing. I'm not doing any of the quests. I'm not progressing the story. And I'm like. I really need to get this damn game finished. Right. <laughs> you know, I need to be gone. But <laughs> I, I was just really immersed in the environment. I think it says a lot about not only the game creation and the environment, but you know how well entwined it is with the show, and it makes you feel like you're a part of the show. You know, you want to be a part of that show. It's very neat. Like we said, this is very like surface level. It's a basic turn-based RPG. So you get some time to think about what your next movement's going to be. Typically, you go and then the enemy goes, but you can also use items that uh, you get extra attacks and kind of speed up your attacks or slow down your enemy's attacks. At the beginning, you have the ability to select your class, and there are four classes you can choose from. Fighter, Thief, Mage, and as you mentioned before, Jew, which I don't really know what that class is. I didn't play that one. I went with the Fighter, and I'm curious what you went with, Sean. Same thing. I went with the Fighter. And I want to mention before we got too far away from it that the turn-based thing with the items was kind of interesting because... It lets you use an item and then you get your turn, kind of. So you almost get two turns in one if you want to use an item. So you can, you know, use a buff, use a healing item. You can use a revival. You can revive your partner if he's KO'd. And then you can still attack. So you can really overpower yourself. That's one of the many things that leads to this game trending on the easier side it's not a super easy game and actually around halfway through the game i went from normal to easy difficulty just because i wanted to get through it quicker but it's one of these games you can kind of tweak and if you play it smart enough you can do really well yeah and i want to mention too that you said that you can actually heal or use an item before you actually do your attack which is you know either like melee or magic each character also has a special ability too so you actually can do three things sometimes, you know? Yeah, depending on how it plays out. And that's one of the things I liked about Butters is his special attack is to heal you. You can kind of go all out with your character knowing that he's going to be able to heal you right after whatever happens, happens. So that was pretty cool. And then, you know, some of the other special attacks are pretty funny, but like, don't a few of them have like selectable ones? 
Like Stan has a discus throwing thing and also yeah. like a multi-hit sword thing. Well, we should mention there's two types of things. There's magic abilities and there's PP, which is <laughs> <laughs> right. which is like a special power ability. So there's there's two different things that you can do. And um right. It kind of gets mixed up, and that, that was sort of a little bit of a confusion for me and remembering what was a magic power and what was the um, power ability in the game. But the um, the sort of special attacks that we were talking about, one I definitely remember is Cartman's where he throws the maxi pad and grosses the uh, enemy out. Right. <laughs> that was one of my favorites to use. Yeah, and we should mention gross out is not just a, you know a clever turn of phrase it's actually a status ailment mm -hmm. to be grossed out so i thought that was kind of cool too how they worked in the comedy into things like that one thing we should say about the combat system is it has like a timing element to it which mm -hmm. the best thing i can think to compare it to is the mario and luigi games on the game boy advance yeah, the, yeah. those rpg games or Super Mario RPG, which yeah, we played back in the day. They all have these things where you time your hits based on a sound or an animation or a little glint on the steel of a sword that if you press the button at the right time, you get either a more powerful attack or a better magic spell or a better heal or whatever it is you're trying to do. If you time it right, you'll get more effect and... I will say that I like this a lot and it was kind of cool because some of them I could do perfectly every single time. And there were some attacks like the, the one where you kind of rock, paper, scissor, and you have to hit the yeah. button where he pats his fist on his hand. And I couldn't get that right, like ever. So I almost <laughs> never used that special attack. So yeah. how did you do with the timing and like the rhythm of the things and the special attacks? Well, I tell you, a lot of times I had some controller missteps as far as my attacks. And I would press the wrong button and, yeah, uh, yeah and I, I would miss attacks in certain spots. And sometimes it even led to a game over. But, yeah, I really like it. Uh, I like the ability. It forces you to learn all of the abilities when you get a new character. But I kind of feel like, on the other hand, when you learn something, you try to stick with it and not move on to some of the other abilities because you have this fear of, you know, screwing it up and uh, wasting a turn. So, yeah, that's where I kind of went with that. I also wanted to mention just to kind of piggyback that this wasn't just an offensive ability, but there was also timing on your defending, which could either cause the enemy to miss or reduce the damage by half which you really have to learn how to do in this game. Otherwise, you're not going to get very far, right? Yeah, and that one's even harder because some of the projectile enemies will like barrage you with hits and you're mm -hmm. sitting there like pounding the X button or whatever it was. And yeah, I found that hard to know when you got it right sometimes. Like what it would do is show a little icon underneath your character when you were supposed to guard. So like yes. if somebody was sh shooting a bunch of arrows at you it would like kind of blink on and off and it's like i would just mash the block button and hope i blocked some of the <laughs> attacks but it was a little bit easier to get with the melee enemies like if they came up swung their sword you could see the icon you hit the button once and block and a lot of times uh, when you got a perfect block you'd stun or knock over the character and you'd be able to parry them or kick them in the ass a couple times as, you know, as a reward for doing a perfect block. So that was pretty cool too. 
Yep. And a lot of times, depending on what items you had equipped during offense, if you got a perfect attack, you could also cause a status effect to your enemies, right? Yeah, and you could make yourself really overpowered by putting patches on your weapons and armor. So I've spent most of the game leveling up, like if I got a better patch for fire and for gross out, because gross out makes them not able to use magic, I believe. So I would set them on fire, gross them out. And I found that that really put a quash on a lot of enemies, like pretty early in fights. So the whole status effect system is like a major part of every single fight that you're in. But once you kind of realize how to cheese it, I thought it was one of the things that made the game a little bit easier. Did you have the same experience? I did. Um, I would compare it to, um, I believe it was Final Fantasy VII that had like socketed weapons. Okay. I don't want to forget to mention that these add-ons were called strap-ons. Oh, right, for, right. For, yeah, for, uh, you know, for comedy effect, obviously. But it was sort of like having socketed weapons and your armor was also socketed. Some would have one socket, some would have two sockets, some wouldn't have any. But each armor or each weapon you had had different status effects too. So it was just sort of a blend and mixing those things in and out. And uh, I liked that part of the game, but I felt like I was doing it so much. I was, you know, having to stop and just rearrange my equipment so much every time I would get like a new item, a new weapon or new armor. And I just thought it was a little bit too much. Yep. That totally makes sense to me. I had the same experience and that ties into what you were saying earlier about looting. This is kind of an obsidian thing. I mean, it's not just them that does this, but the loot aspect and the loot game in their games is very prominent. If you watch like reviews of the Outer Worlds, that game that came out last year from them, some people are saying like, Man, I just realized like like what you were saying at the beginning of South Park, like you're just running around looting. There's so much loot. I'm just searching everything and looting constantly. And uh, that's just part of the experience from them. But what goes hand in hand with that is that you feel like you're constantly evaluating your weapons and armor and accessories. And with the weapons having these strap-ons and the armors have patches, you're just like mixing and matching and it's kind of hard to criticize it because they wanted to make kind of a compact, short experience, but they wanted to jam all this stuff in there that mm -hmm. I was like you. I felt like I was constantly in the menus like, oh, this weapon's slightly better. With this patch, it'll be slightly better. Okay, let me rearrange everything. Take it off something else. Right, yeah, put right. It on your new stuff, yeah. For what it's worth, the menu system was pretty elegant and easy to use, so no complaints there, but... Yeah, it was just like constantly. And sometimes I just get lazy and say, all right, I'll look at it later. I'll wait till I have like four different weapons before I go deciding which one to use. So very interesting. I did stick with certain melee weapons for a long time because of this. I think I used the vibrator, whatever it was called, <laughs> for the final <laughs> like quarter of the game just because yeah, I so just I. I had good buffs on it and it was very effective. So I used that for a long time. So yeah, I get what you're saying though. So with the weapons, we have melee and also ranged weapons for the main character. With these weapon attacks, you had a single powerful shot and then you could also do multiple 
attacks during that turn. And both of those were based on, like uh, Sean was talking about earlier, like the glint. You would have to time it just right to maximize your attacks. And also there was a fart mechanic as well, right, Sean? I don't know if you caught all this, but a lot of this game is based on Skyrim. And the whole thing about like the farts is that they start out at least as a parody of the dragon shouts in Skyrim. Did you pick up on that? I did not. Because you've never never played played it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in Skyrim, your character is what's called a dragonborn, and he or she can use dragon shouts to control dragons. So the whole thing in South Park is that you can use your farts as kind of a a stand-in for these dragon shouts, and that's actually what your magic attacks are. So I found that the magic farts were (laughs) way more useful in the gameplay and in the interactions because you have to use them contextually to solve puzzles in the environments. But as far as using them in battle, I actually didn't use them too often because I wasn't sold on the promise that they would do major damage or it was said that like if you first set an enemy on fire and then use a fart you'll do extra damage but i found that when i tried to do that it just put the fire out and that kind of annoyed me because if you set an enemy on fire they'll be on fire for like three or four turns and just keep losing health whereas if you fart on them they lose that status ailment so it's like why would i do that so I didn't lean too much on the quote-unquote magic abilities. I definitely used a few of the special PP abilities way more often (laughs) in battle. So what about you? Yeah, you know, I never tried out any of the farts (laughs) in in combat. (laughs) Oh, wow. Like, not at all. Not at all. I, I never used it. I just used my weapon mainly. And like you, I used them in the outer world to solve puzzles and things like that mainly. And I use them as magic abilities. I use Cartman for the most part as the uh, mage because Cartman did a lot of damage. And so using those magic abilities through him, that was sort of my <laughs> my only use of farting in the game, really, I guess, to uh, put it bluntly. Right. What about the special abilities? We should mention that you can choose to level up certain ones. We didn't even mention the social media aspect, but part of the way that you level up in this game is by gaining Facebook friends. (laughs) So as you walk around the game, you're doing quests, you're talking to characters on the street, you add Facebook friends, and as you hit certain thresholds of amounts of friends, you can unlock upgrades to your special abilities so it'll do more damage or it'll cause a status effect or it'll attack more than just one character it'll have a spread kind of thing so i'll just repeat like some of them i found super useful like there's one that's like a high jump where you just push up on the right stick it took a few times to get the timing right but You press down on the stick and he just comes down and stomps all of the enemies. And it's a really good attack. You know, as you get further in a game like this, you want to start getting those attack all or attack multiple type abilities. 
And that was a really good one. And then as you upgrade it, you can add status ailments like stun or it wasn't gross out for that one, but things like that you could add to your abilities. So I'm wondering which ones did you kind of build on? Like my two favorites were that high jump one that I just mentioned and also the bull rush where he puts on a football helmet. That one was really easy to do because you're just... I believe you have to press a button when he sees red and it was actually really easy to get the timing on that one. And you could upgrade it to charge through multiple enemies and again, cause all kinds of havoc via status ailments. So those were my two favorites. What were some of yours? Yeah, those were the two that I used the most and specifically because they were two of the easiest. To okay. Do. And, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, with the bull charge, you actually hold down X and then when uh, you see like something get red or there's a certain moment where you release it and yeah, that's really yeah. all you have to do. Again, I, I was in this position where I felt like I didn't want to try too many things. I tried the uh, the roll shambo, rock, paper, scissors thing a few times and screwed it up because the timing's kind of odd on it. You have to wait for such a long time to like hit those buttons or to start hitting those buttons. I could never really get that one right either. But yeah, those are really the two special power abilities that I leaned on. That's funny too. When you just said Rochambeau, is that something that was made up for the show? Because I've seen that in a couple episodes now that I've seen the show that that's like in one of the episodes, it's in a very funny context where it's like, no, you kick me in the nuts. I kick you in the nuts and we see who gives up first. <laughs> like I forget <laughs> I forget what context it was in, but one of the episodes has it and it's so funny. But is that something that's like a real world thing or was that made up for the show? Do you know? You know, I don't know. I mean, I know rock, paper, scissors is a thing. Right. But as right. far as Rochambeau, and I, I've heard that used in the same context as rock, paper, scissors, though that wasn't what we called it growing up. And I don't remember where I heard that for the first time, but uh, you know, that's usually the context of where it's used. But uh, yeah, that wasn't something that was a part of the language down here when I was growing up. (laughs) Right. I always thought it was maybe a Northern thing, but apparently it wasn't. (laughs) I mean, if it was, I didn't know about it. Like (laughs) I, I heard about it here first. Would you like some more tea, Polly Prissy Pants? Yes, Eric, I would love some tea. Thank you. You're very welcome, Polly Prissy Pants. Would you like some tea, Cloud Frog? Yes, please, Eric. Why are you so cool? Oh, I don't know, Cloud Frog. I just am. You are so strong and smart, Eric. Everybody likes you. Well, thank you, Polly Prissy Pants. How nice of you. All right, so I mentioned previously that Cartman was my favorite character to use. Because of the magic, it was so strong. Now, his attack abilities really sucked with that stick. And it was funny because he would hit somebody and it would like knock off one, you know, when he would do that. So, yeah, I thought that was quite comical. But other than Cartman, I think that the character I used second most was probably Stan. Because, as you mentioned before, later in the game, it was really good to have abilities that would hit multiple targets. And Stan, who played like... um I would say sort of like another warrior character could swing his sword and it would hit any enemies that were in the same column. Yeah, that was good. And it was like a rapid fire type attack as well. And fun to try and pull off multiple button presses and his other attack involved directionals. And yeah, it wasn't easy to pull off, but very rewarding if you did it right. Yeah. So I'm curious, what characters did you use the most and which did you not use a whole lot, if at all? 
I tried to try out each character. I ended up not using Cartman maybe ever. Really? Uh, so there's okay. a, we should mention too, there's a part at the end of the game where you have to use everybody. You yes. kind of go through each party member in a sequence in the final battle. Um, but as far as in the game, I didn't use Cartman at all. I really leaned on Butters and then Stan. Jimmy is good. He was fun <laughs> to use because his whole thing was like, rhythm game like he's the bard of the tale right so he sings songs the songs are very funny and raunchy and to use his abilities in battle you have to do like a rhythm game or he'll he'll start singing and he starts stuttering and you have to mash the x button the cross button to make him stop stuttering (laughs) at certain times so it was very comical but then i found like his buffs like you know it was the kind of thing like put the enemies to sleep and sometimes it doesn't work and it's like okay and like now what so it's a very long process too the songs are sort of lengthy you know yes that's true too (laughs) but he's one of my favorite characters in the show so i tried to use him a little bit but yeah butters i found was just very well-rounded as far as his attacks and just having that like free healing ability every turn made him very valuable from my perspective also one of my favorite characters in the show so that didn't hurt either yeah the characters I found that I didn't use very much were Kenny and Kyle. I used Kenny probably more than I used Kyle, but I just really couldn't find anything that was very significant about either one of those characters. Yeah, same here. All right, so let's move on to the special characters in the game that you meet along the way and you can find in South Park. You get these four abilities And you can use them once per day. And the way to recharge them is you have to go back into the game and find these characters again so that they will recharge these abilities for you. And the four characters that you find are Jesus, Mr. Hanky, Mr. Slave, and Mr. Kim. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts on these. Did you ever use these abilities? Yeah, so first of all, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I just want to say something about Mr. Hankey in general. And that is that one of the things that like kept me from getting super into South Park in the past was how stupid I thought the concept of Mr. Hankey was. I remember there were times, like I never outright hated South Park, but there were times when I was like, is that the show with the talking piece of shit? Like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, there's many episodes with Mr. Hankey, but in the first one, there's a scene where Mr. Hankey comes out of the toilet, smears shit all over Kyle's bathroom and writes Noel on the mirror. And Kyle's mom comes in and he's just holding this turd in his hand. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, Mr. Hankey, say something. And he's just holding this piece of shit in his hand. And it's fucking hilarious. And it's like, oh, okay, now I get it. (laughs) But to get back to the summons in the game, we should mention you have to earn these by doing like special side quests to get them. And actually, I'm going to tell you, I wasn't heavy on the side quests in this game in general. Okay. I did a few. I did some of them. But the only summon I actually earned was Jesus. 
So you have to do the side quest called finding Jesus. And you literally have to like run around the church and like aim the lights to make him appear. It's funny. And it earned me the summon and I used it once and I never use it again. And I never found any of the other ones. So I'm kind of kind of boring in that aspect, but <laughs> sounds like you were kind of into them. Did you get all four of them? I did. Nice, um, nice. Jesus was great. He would come out with a machine gun and yeah. just mow down people. It's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Mr. Hanky was a take on the Disney movie Fantasia, where he would like stand like with a wizard hat on top of like like a mound of poop and then just raise his hands up one at a time and bring like floods of crap to take out the enemies. It's oh, really funny. Awesome. If you haven't seen these, you need to watch the videos. Mr. Slave would jump up in the air with his pants down and <laughs> Oh, I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> Ed would sit on one of the enemies and he would go up his ass and then the rest of the rest of the people would just run away in fear. Yep. Uh, and then Mr. Kim would come out in a uh, samurai outfit. And uh, yeah, it was so great. I loved all four of them. It was just a great addition to the game. And, uh, you know, once again, if you know anything about South Park and the land of South Park, it's really worthwhile doing those quests. Did you frequently go back and like reload the companions? Because when I got the Jesus one, I did it once and I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. But they tell you you can't use them in boss battles. So it's like right. I never went back. Were you like reloading them and using them frequently or was it like a one and done kind of thing? It was sort of a one and done thing for me. And I would basically use them in a battle where I would get in a situation where it looked like I was going to lose the battle, you know? Yeah. And um, I I would just break one of them out, but I couldn't really figure out how to reload it until toward the end of the game. And you just got to go visit them again. And some of them are a little more, I don't want to say difficult, but annoying to reload. Like Mr. Hanky, you have to go back down in the sewer and uh, it's very inconvenient and annoying. I wish it, they would have just made it where they just replenish the next day, but they, you know, they didn't do that. But, uh, Again, I, I think it was a cool addition to the game, but I think it's something they might have done a little bit better. Okay, so we're talking about to earn these special summons, you have to complete quests. And Sean, I want to know, did you do a lot of side questing or you just kind of do the minimal to progress the story in the game? I wouldn't say I did the absolute minimum. Like I didn't just mainline the story, but I kept the side questing to a minimum. I found myself opening or starting a bunch of side quests and not completing them. Like Mm -hmm. one of them is to find the kindergartners. They're all playing hide and seek and they're (laughs) hidden all over the, the game world. So I found more of those by accident than anything else. And I found that I didn't, wrap up too many side quests to be quite honest so sounds like you did though yeah i did all the quests in the game oh wow so you like 100 percented the game or close to it that's pretty awesome i 100 percented the quest you know some of the other things which we'll get to in a minute the collectibles i didn't 100 percent for various reasons but yeah right. i just wanted to complete them like you said with the the kids that you have to find their plan hide and go seek I'll admit, I used a walkthrough for that just to find out where they were. There's a quest later at Jimbo's where you have to go in his shop and you have to buy a certain item. And it gives you a list of bosses to go around and kill. I did that one too. That's a lot of fun just to do some various boss battles. If you remember when you go up into Canada, there's like a spider web up in the corner. And you're kind of like wondering what that's for. That's actually one of the Jimbo 
animals that you have to hunt in the game. And so that was a really fun quest as well. So I did all the quests in the game, and I felt like the side quests really fit in with the nature of the show. I was a little upset that I didn't get to fight the beast with uh, Patrick Duffy as his leg. (laughs) I can't remember (laughs) what that animal's called. But yeah, I quite enjoyed all the quests in this game and uh, really wanted to play it out as much as I could. The thing that I couldn't 100% and that kind of upset me a little bit were the collectibles. I did happen to get all of the Chin Pokemon. Oh, wow. Now, there are maybe five or six that you have to get at specific parts in the story, and somehow I just got lucky in finding all of them in the story. Now, others you can find outside of the story, and uh, you know I was able to complete that. The one that I really wanted to complete was getting all the friends. There are 121 friends that you can get in this game. There's really 122, but you actually friend Clyde at the beginning of the game, and then he unfriends you later. And if if you know the story of the game, you know why. But there are 121, and there are some that are located in certain areas that you have to find that you can't go back to. And for me, it was one character, and it was a rat that was inside the school in one of the classrooms that I didn't find. Now, you can go back in the school later, but you can't access all of the rooms, which sucks. I hated that. I thought that, uh, (laughs) you know, you have collectibles in the game. I kind of feel like you need to have those accessible at all times. No way. I disagree. (laughs) This is a... That's a... Again, a common trope of this style of Western RPG. And the thing you just made me think of was the bobbleheads in Fallout 3, which is not an Obsidian game, but there are collectible bobbleheads in that game. And certain ones are in dungeons that you're in them once in the game. And if you don't get the bobblehead, then you're screwed and you will not get all the bobbleheads. So that's what that makes me think of. And I think it's better that way. Now, You'll never do it naturally. So that's almost like a second playthrough kind of thing, you know, unless you get really, really lucky and you're like super thorough in your first playthrough. But I mean, we can't play any game that way because we need to make a podcast, you know, but like (laughs) if it was some game you were playing that you were just super into that you could scour every room of every town and dungeon that you were in as you were playing the game, you know, that's, that's another way to do it. Yeah. I did my best to scour everywhere before moving on because there's some areas that you can't access in the game. And I thought that might occur again. I tried to be thorough, but uh, the one I missed, like I said, was this little rat and usually you just kill the rats. You don't, you know, they're, yeah. they're not like enemies or anything. Some of them are, but um, you usually just, just kind of kill them, you know, with your sword. And uh, yeah, I totally missed one. And oh, man, it made me so angry. <laughs> Still angry about it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on into the graphics and environments in the game. Sean, what did you think about those? Well, as I said at the top of the segment, they set out to make a game that looked exactly like the show and they 1000% accomplished that. And it's been said so many times about this game that it's almost cliched to this point where it's like, it's just like you're playing an episode of the show, but that's really what it is. Like if somebody walked in the room, they'd be like, oh, you're watching South Park. And it's like, no, I'm actually playing South Park. It's that good. The graphics are perfect for what they are. And I thought it was cool. Again, watching, it wasn't an interview. It was um, 
I think it was an E3 presentation that Trey and Matt were giving after the game was announced where they were talking about they had never geographically mapped the town of South Park and that doing it for this game was an interesting experience to kind of figure out like, okay, where's the school in relation to their houses and in relation to Tom's rhinoplasty and all the, all the uh, landmarks of the show. So it's actually kind of cool as I'm watching the show, almost like mapping the town, you know, like Springfield and the Simpsons has a similar thing where it's like, there are video game representations of it. There's the fictional maps and representations of it. But apparently this was, if not the first time, one of the first times it was done for South Park. So I thought that was another really cool element of the world and goes hand in hand with the overall visual design. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's funny when I was playing the game, I was thinking, wow, I didn't know that Cartman and Stan were neighbors, you know, you know, I I just (laughs) didn't know like how this world was set up. And I found that interesting. I was like, well, is this something that's actually in the show or is this something that was just simply created for this game? And obviously it was created for this game. And so it almost becomes a piece of the canon, right? As far as how this town is set up since Trey and Matt worked on it. So that's uh, that's really interesting. So, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Sure. The other thing that I wanted to bring up about the graphics in the environments was Canada. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have to talk about Canada. The show itself, there's so many jokes about Canada. And people from Canada totally look different from the people in South Park and in the U.S. It's very comical. But when you go into Canada... It's not that typical South Park environmental look. Everything is in like this 16-bit RPG style. And so it's almost like you're playing, even though this isn't 16-bit, it's 8-bit, but it's almost like you're playing a Dragon Warrior game when you go up there. And uh, it's totally hilarious and totally fits in with the comedy of the show. And I just thought that was an awesome addition to the game. Yeah, I like that in the lore of the show, Canada is like this... (laughs) It's kind of like a different world with like a different species of human being. And they took that a step further, uh, having this be in a video game world where the country of Canada is an entirely different genre of video games, which is it's pretty awesome the way they did that. And I like that it was a short segment of the game. And I also like the fact that it's like almost an encapsulated game in and of itself. That's like a little miniature cloak and dagger plot that you get involved in and you have to pit the leaders against each other or side with certain ones. And like I said, it's like this little microcosm of a game in and of itself, which I thought was pretty cool the way they did that. Yeah, it's like a mini Game of Thrones in a way. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's very true.
Well, let's go ahead and move into the music and sounds of the game. What'd you think, John? Yeah, so again, I think the main music is inspired by Skyrim and Lord of the Rings and all these other things like this epic music, even the ambient, like (laughs) the music in the overworld when you're just walking around the town is this weird wannabe Skyrim music with Cartman singing over it. I liked it in general. I think it, how do I explain this? Like it put a coat of paint on the game that kind of puts you in this the shoes of the kids doing their their whole LARPing or play acting thing. You know what I mean? Like it, it put you yeah. in that mental state. It was this cinematic epic music, but then it had the it had the like little twist of Cartman singing the lyrics over it. I couldn't understand what he was even saying, but it was just funny to me that the blend of those two things together was perfect for the context of the game. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It just blended really well into the game and was a nice background for it. I also liked the little songs in the game. There was one specifically that I loved. It's toward the end of the game where you go into Mr. Slave's ass to disarm the bomb. There's this little heroic jingle that happens toward the beginning of that that just had me on the floor laughing so hard. I thought the sounds in the combat were really good, (laughs) even down to the farts and things like that were awesome. They did a really good job with that, and especially like the Nazi zombies were (laughs) hilarious too. Just the uh, propaganda Nazi sounds in the game were uh, a nice little touch, you know, even if it was like a zombie rat. Yeah. You know, (laughs) that same sound. That was really funny. The Nazi like documentary sounds over whatever character it was. And uh, the Lemmy Wings song, which is the name of the rat that was up Mr. Slave's ass, was actually from the show. And actually another song that was from the show that I didn't get when I was playing the game, I didn't realize what this was, was in the abortion mini game where... It starts playing this like fake Christmas song. And I was like, why the is it playing this crappy fake Christmas song when I'm doing this abortion thing? But I found out it's from one of the Christmas episodes. And it's a really funny episode where the critters of the woods are like devil worshiping Satanists who are trying to bring um, the Antichrist back. And the way they defeat it is by giving Kyle an abortion because Satan wants to occupy his body so he can come back to Earth. So they have to give Kyle an abortion. That's where that song is from. So it was like a deep reference to the show that I didn't get at the time. I think if (laughs) if I'd have known that, it would have made the abortion mini game a little bit easier to tolerate because it was actually one of the only parts of the game that I didn't like and it almost made me rage quit the game so I don't know if you want to talk about that now we're talking about music right now but I actually don't want to forget to talk about that well I do want to mention one thing before we talk about that did you find the critters out in the woods I did not oh you can friend them oh that's awesome What's awesome that you find them out in the woods. You have to go like right up, right down, right, or something like that. And when you find them, you have like a prompt that says, do you accept the Lord as your savior? And (laughs) I hadn't seen the episodes. I was like, all right, I'll do it. And I did it. And it just kind of goes through this diatribe. And then at the end of it, he just goes, hell, Satan. 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's hilarious, man. You got all these little cute furry critters. And uh, yeah, that was one of the funnier parts of the game for me. And then all the critters friend you after that. There's like nine of them. So that's how you get like nine friends. That's awesome. It's cool. Yeah, I think there's a map in one of the kids' rooms that tells you how to get through the forest and do that. Which reminded me of Zelda. You remember that Northwest, Southwest little uh, riddle in the, the original Legend of Zelda? I do remember that, and I thought it was funny because the way you get to Canada is, I forget which character tells you, because they set it up almost like, oh, don't go in the woods, you'll just get lost. And then some character says, nope, just go north, 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 or something like that. And that's how you get to Canada and progress the game. So I thought that was really funny, too. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I just got to throw in, because we're kind of past the gameplay part, that the abortion minigame sequence almost, and I'm glad I didn't, but the first time you have to do it, it took me probably about 30 attempts over two separate days. And I was so close to rage quitting and just like nuking my save and never touching the game again because it involves contextual actions that aren't clearly delineated on the screen. Yeah. And I read multiple different message boards and watch multiple YouTube videos on how to do it before I finally just balls my way through it and got past that sequence. But I was so friggin' mad, like trying to get through that. I was just really crestfallen thinking like, I'll never finish this game. And I was enjoying myself immensely up to that point. And then to add insult to injury, you have to do it again later in the game But at least the second time around, it probably took me about 10 or 11 tries as opposed to 30 plus. So did you have as much trouble as I did with that? Uh, It's funny. I didn't in the abortion clinic. I did it the first time. Mm -hmm. But when I had to disarm the bomb in Mr. Slave's ass, (laughs) I definitely had to do that, like you said, 10 or 11 times. And I don't know why. I guess I just got lucky the first time, but yeah, I I was getting pretty upset about it too. I was like, this shouldn't be this hard, you know? Yes, exactly. Especially for a game that's, you know, skews to the easy side and is generally just kind of fun and relaxing and you're just cruising through it to hit a roadblock like that was just maddening. Yeah. But I want to mention while we're, while we're on the topic, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but Dougley 007 said one of the funniest things I've ever seen on RF Generation. He said, uh, I finished it last night. It was a fun game, but not easy to play around the kids. You know, explaining what an abortion is and why a kid is doing it to a man. (laughs) 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 That is the most wild and crazy thing that will ever be typed on (laughs) RFGeneration.com. Leave it to Doug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about one of the other frustrating things in the game that was mentioned on the forums, and that's Al Gore. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, this is another side quest that I didn't do. I opened it, uh, but I didn't do any part of the side quest. So tell me about this. You have to fight him eventually? You can fight him eventually in a quest. It's the man bear pig quest. Yeah. And if you don't fight him, he keeps blowing up your Facebook page and it's so annoying. And I'm sure you had to deal with that through the entire game. Or maybe you didn't get to that point in the quest. Yeah, I don't think so. If you get to a certain point in the quest 
right before you have to fight Al Gore, he keeps blowing up your Facebook page, and there's just these constant messages that keep popping up, and it's so annoying. But um, I thought that that was probably the most difficult fight in the game, and game over several times during it because you can get it fairly early in the game but when i went back to it after i had leveled up to level 15 we, and we gotta say there is a level cap of 15 in this game mm-hmm. i was able to beat him fairly easily especially with cartman's op magic abilities um, okay so if you try to fight him early on in the game it's nearly impossible it's something that you have to go to toward the end so kind of my opinion about it is you you get the quest a little too early which is, you know, unfortunate. I think a lot of people got frustrated regarding that. Usually when you get a quest, you kind of feel like, well, I can go ahead and go do this and I should be able to beat it. I should be high enough if I have the quest, but that's not really the case with Al Gore. It's a tougher fight. All right. So how about we roll in the final thoughts, Sean? Sounds good. You got any? Well, I want to start off by uh, reading some stuff from the forums by our participants The first one comes from Sir Psycho. Now, he did not participate in our playthrough, but he did an article on RF Generation that was posted February 27th of this year, and he did a review of The Fractured But Whole. I thought this was a really good quote that I pulled from it. He says, In 2014, a new South Park game was released, and it changed the way many future South Park games would be viewed. That first trio of South Park games is often lambasted for being sloppy, unpolished, uninspired, licensed cash-ins, and the second trio is basically forgotten and almost never mentioned. But starting in 2014, any news of future South Park games would be viewed with delight, as South Park The Stick of Truth would feel less like a South Park game and more like an interactive season of the show. And that's basically what we had been talking about. Yeah, that's awesome. And he's referencing when he's talking about the first trio of games, he's talking about like uh, Chef's Love Shack and like yeah. South Park Cart and whatever. And it's funny. Yeah. You actually, first of all, I'm glad you mentioned that because his article was really good. And then it was funny. I was talking to one of my coworkers and I said, oh, I'm watching a lot of South Park because we're playing a South Park game for the podcast that I do. And my coworker goes, Oh, are you playing the game on the 64 where you throw snowballs at turkeys? And I was like, no, not that one. <laughs> I've dabbled in a few of those games and they're pretty horrific. So, uh, yeah, he's he's totally right. And I think it has a lot to do with uh, Matt and Trey being a part of this game. You know, they had seen some like really crappy games that had been licensed from them before. Yeah. And uh, it's good to see that they um, showed up in these last two games and uh, made some awesome games. Obviously, I haven't played The Fractured Butthole, but I hear it's it's more the same as Stick of Truth. Yeah. Wild Bill 52 says, Like I said, I've played the game before, though I didn't finish it. What I forgot was just how great it is to be completely immersed in the world of South Park. There are tons of references to random characters, songs, and plot lines from the show, and I even picked up a super obscure reference to Matt and Trey's college film, Cannibal the Musical. Very happy to be giving this game another go. Zofar53 says, This game is just as fun for me as it was the first time I played it. First playthrough was on the PS3, so now I'm going through on Xbox One. I do like the customization options with your characters and abilities, but it gets a bit tedious after a while sorting through all your badges and buffs, trying to minimize and maximize all of my stuff. I do think one's enjoyment of this game is pretty dependent on their enjoyment of the show. There's a lot of people I know who fell off of the show a long time ago, 
but I still think it can be really funny and topical when it tries. It's pretty obvious that Matt and Trey are gamers because all the poking fun at game tropes is well done. And then from our friend Bickman2k, I finished this last night. Holy crap, what a fantastic game. I'm super stoked to play Fractured But Whole now. I didn't do a lot of customization after the fact, but even though I haven't watched the show in years, I recognize basically every character I ran across. There were a couple of small mini-games, but I feel like they are more poking fun at other genres rather than being a serious addition to the story. And Shaggy played with us. He says, well, I beat this last night and thoroughly enjoyed it. It's humor's top-notch. I'm going to play it again and try to get all the trophies. I'm hoping I can breeze through it now that I know what to do. And then, this is a little bit longer response, but I, I wanted to read it because I felt like everything was pertinent in this one. And this is from our newcomer, DGenX. And he says, after some slight distractions in the middle of the month due to a constipated cat, I finished this game last night. The game absolutely nailed the feeling like a South Park episode. The humor was spot on and had lots of references that longtime fans would appreciate. The game itself was great, if not a bit on the easy side. I rarely spent money and just by looting everything, I was pretty well stocked on consumables and weapons. Was I perfectly mid-maxed? I'm sure I wasn't. But at no point did I feel like I needed to grind up the strength before tackling a boss. I played as the Jew class, and by the end of the game, I had stacked my patches and strap-ons in a manner that when I would use the Plague's special ability, I would generate enough PP to use again. At that point, I would just Plague, 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 and didn't really see a reason to use any other attack. I thoroughly enjoyed playing this game, but I'm really wondering about the replayability. The only reason for playing about was to see what changes when you hit the choice between siding with Cartman or Kyle. I chose Cartman on my playthrough or try the other classes. For me, I'm not sure there's enough difference in classes to warrant a second playthrough. Overall, if you're a fan of South Park or the style of humor, this is a definite play. As a simple RPG, the game was enjoyable, but nothing amazing. What makes this game is the South Park theme. Throw the game mechanics in a generic fantasy setting, and the game is middle of the road. Those mechanics mixed with South Park is what put this game over the top as something you must play. And, you know, I read that entire post by DGNX, not only because is he a new member to the playthroughs, but because I think he really put a lot of effort as far as telling us what he thought about the game. And I think it's, it's just amazing. He hit a lot of good points in this. So, Sean, let's hear a little bit about what your final thoughts are on the game. And uh, make sure you talk a little bit about the final boss battle. Oh, sure. So let me do the final boss battle first, because otherwise I'll forget. Um, <laughs> so I like the plot intrigue at the end. Basically, one of your main characters kind of turns on you and you have to fight against him and... As I mentioned before, you actually go through each party member and you have to do a timed event that is, um, it's actually a pretty challenging quick time event. And if you mess it up, you have to deplete the enemy's health all over again. So once I realized this, it became very intense to get those QTEs right because I didn't want to have to deplete the enemy's HP again. So I liked the final boss battle. At once I figured that out, but and, and it was a good culmination of the story, and again, very funny. But um, as far as final impressions in general, 
this is a case where it was like, oh, okay, like, yes, I love Obsidian, but, you know, South Park is just one of these old funny shows. I haven't seen it in years. I remember some of the episodes, but, you know, I'm excited to play an Obsidian game. I've heard it's really good, but how good could it really be? And boy, I mean, I was just really surprised. It totally sucked me into South Park. I would call myself a South Park fan, like, very strongly now. I can't wait to complete watching the series and I will definitely report back on the air to just, you know, in future episodes, just briefly talk about what the rest of the seasons are like, but going one through nine so far, I'm enjoying every second of it. It's very entertaining. It's funny as hell. I love that the creators just kind of put it all out there. They're not afraid to push boundaries. They're not afraid to offend people of every walk of life, which is just great. The gameplay itself, as you know, DGenX mentioned on the forum, just blends really well with the South Park world and the kind of role-playing that the kids are doing. And I... Really, really like this game. We should mention, too, that you can continue playing after you complete the main quest. So I actually have jumped in a little bit here and there to just kind of walk around, maybe do some side quests, maybe trying to find some of the collectibles. I don't know if I'll ever go through and do another full playthrough, but like many people and like you, I'm excited to play the sequel that I just recently picked up. Uh, Maybe I'll play that when I'm done watching the show. But yeah, I think South Park, it's just crazy that it's still around after all these years. It's still relevant. You know, we look at things like, you know, like Beavis and Butthead kind of flamed out. It was super, super popular for a very short amount of time. And then you can look at something like The Simpsons, which was super high quality, like some of the best writing in all of television history for like the first eight or nine seasons. And then it started falling off. And now it's just this vapid shell of what it used to be. And then you look at South Park and it's like, from what I understand, they're still putting out consistent quality product to this day. I can't wait to prove that out to myself. It just goes to show, in in my opinion, South Park is one of the best comedy series that has ever been on television. And I know that's not like a super bold claim after all these years, but that's how I'm feeling. And I highly recommend the game. Even if you're not into RPGs, it's a very, not very easy, it's a relatively easy game and it has adjustable difficulty if you don't want it to be that easy. So Mm -hmm. I'd say go for it. Unless you're super sensitive to offensive humor, maybe stay away. But if you like South Park, then go for it. The only people I wouldn't recommend this game is if you hate South Park. So that's it for me. Or if you're under the age of 18. Under the, yeah, right, because nobody ever watched a show that was under 18, right? <laughs> well, I didn't play it in front of my kids this time. So. Oh, thank goodness. Unlike <laughs> Dougley. <laughs> well, like you, I'll start off with the final battle. I really enjoyed the final battle, and I thought it was neat how you swapped in and out every additional character that you had in your party. I missed the QTE a few times, and then once I learned that, it was an easier battle. Because if you don't hit that QTE, the character who turns on you 
<laughs> I guess we're doing a non-spoiler here. Yeah. Actually drinks more zombie juice and replenishes his health each time. That was kind of a neat aspect to the game, and I did really enjoy that. I thought the final battle was lengthy, and that was nice as well, and it really did feel like a final battle in an RPG. What makes South Park so great, and especially Stick of Truth, is that whoever you are, whatever walk of life you're in, whatever hobbies you have, where you work, no one gets a pass. There is always a part of you in this town, and I think that's what makes South Park work. It really embraces my kind of worldly outlook on life in that if you can't laugh at yourself, what can you laugh at? Yep. What my wife's always told me is what she likes about me is my sense of humor. And my sense of humor can get kind of dark sometimes, I have to admit. But there's a point in life you just can't take it so seriously. And I think that's what this series and that's what this game reminds us of. As far as this game being easy, yes, it's easy. But you can make it as easy as you want it to be, or as hard as you want it to be, like you said, by upping the difficulty. I played this on normal. There were places that I had some tough times with the game. I had to look at my inventory, make adjustments to not only my weapons, but my armor and the badges that I was using to win several of these battles. I think one of the most impressive things that can be said about this game was said by my wife, and that was the phrase, didn't you just beat this game a few nights ago? <laughs> Basically what that saying is, I came back to the game after beating it, I was trying to find the collectibles, I was trying to finish all the questing, and I felt like it had a lot of great things going on for it. And with the questing, it's not overly ambitious. There aren't that many quests. It's a, a really nice number, and I think it really adds to the replayability and the fun of this game. And Sean, if you're thinking about going back into this game and just doing some of the side quests, I highly advise doing that. Some of them are a lot of fun and uh, really add to the comedy of the game. I didn't know how I was going to feel about South Park when we picked it. As we said, you know, it took us about three years to play this game. I love RPGs, and as a big fan of them, I thought this might be a little bit boring and RPG-like, but it's not. It's a lot of fun, and if you have any interest in RPGs and you have a pretty twisted sense of humor, I would say give this game a try. It's a lot of fun, and I know we've only had two months of gaming, but uh, I can definitely see this game being in my top five, if not at the top of my list by the end of the year. All right. Calling it. Yeah. Calling <laughs> nice. my shot, man. Yeah, yeah. You want some cheesy poofs, too? Yeah, I want cheesy poofs. All right, Sean, let's go ahead and talk about what we're going to be playing in March and April. I know you've got March, so I'll let you get to it. Sure. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're playing Fable 2 in March. So if you're hearing this, you should already be playing that game. And again, it's one of my favorites, and it's one that we are jumping into the middle of a series. But as I explained previously... You don't have to play the first game to play the second game. There's only tenuous ties as far as the story goes. And uh, I'm grateful that we agreed to jump into the second one because it's my favorite in the series. Have you started it? I have not started it. I'm a little worried now that I know that I need to bank some money. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's certain ways, you know, you can make money and you can spend entire play sessions just doing jobs to kind of build up a little bank. But 
I think I'm making a lot of the economy. I just wanted to kind of try this because the first time around I played it, I played it just normally. So kind of knowing how the game works, it was just kind of a what if situation. Like, what if I just banked an amazing amount of money in this game? Like, how would it play out? So um, experiencing that right now. But for a first playthrough, I wouldn't worry too much about the economy in the game. Like South Park, it's a relatively easy, kind of relaxing, pleasant game. So I really hope you enjoy it. And I can't wait to talk with our RF Generation participants in the forum. So that's our game for March, Fable 2. All right. Well, in April, we are continuing on the modern side and we're playing a very newish game that has gotten some very stellar reviews, and that is Control. Don't know a lot about this game. I believe it's a first-person shooter that has some really neat additional mechanics to it. I'm interested to jump into this. I bought it last month or two months ago, and uh, should be a good time. Yeah, it's actually third person. And now you didn't play um, Alan Wake back when we played it for the show, did you? I did not. And have you played any Remedy games like Max Payne or I know you wouldn't have played Quantum Break because you don't have an Xbox One. But have you played the first two Max Payne games? I have not. When we did Alan Wake back in the day, that's when we were doing retro and modern. And so this was the modern pick. And though I didn't play the game, I watched an entire playthrough of it. So, oh, wow. It was long, but I, I didn't have a 360 at the time, and I just enjoyed the story of the game so much I watched an entire playthrough. This was a lot like um, Senua's Sacrifice, where it was a game that was just kind of like, I picked it up and I'm like, hey, I'm going to play this game soon. And you were like, whoa, 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 me too. Let's make it a playthrough, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's really exciting. And, I, you know, Remedy, again, is one of these developers. I'll just eat up whatever they make. I don't care what it is. I just love all their games. So really excited for this one. And I think it's going to be awesome.
And with that, we'll wrap up another episode. Thank you, as always, for listening, and a special thanks to all of our participants. In March, we're jumping into Lion's Head Studios' easygoing adventure RPG, Fable 2, available on the Xbox 360 and backwards compatible on the Xbox One. It's currently available on Game Pass. Be sure to log on to the forums at arfgeneration.com to join the playthrough, and we'll see you next time on the Playcast. Basketball. Bow. Blah, blah, bling, blamage. Podbean. Podbean. Eric, calm down. Podbean. Let's go. Let's buy. What is it, Eric? Man, I've only just heard. They're making playcast. Man, you can collect them all. You can collect them all, man. The quick, we must get to the Podbean. I'm making us some lunch right now, Eric. But. Man, I have to get Playcast Before everybody else does Cause then I'll be cute Can't it wait till tomorrow, hun? But man, I have to get the first one And people won't think I'm cute Alright, let's go Sweet Lemmy Wings journeyed a distance far and fast To find his way out of a gay man's ass the road ahead is filled with danger and fright But push onward, Lemmy Winks, with all of your might The Sparrow Prince lies somewhere way up ahead Don't look back, Lemmy Winks, or you'll soon be dead Lemmy Winks, Lemmy Winks, the time is growing late Slow down now and seal your fate Take the magic helmet torch to help you light the way There's still a lot of ground to cross inside the man so gay Ahead of you lies adventure and your strength still lies within Freedom from the ass of doom is the treasure you will win Lemmy Winks has made it out, the tale is nearly through That you're the gerbil king, there's more ventures to go on Fly away to faraway lands and to the setting sun There's still so many enemies and battles yet to fight For Lemmy Winks, the gerbil king, to be told another night Lemmy, Lemmy, Lemmy Winks, Lemmy, Lemmy Winks Lemmy Winks, Lemmy Winks, Lemmy Winks, Lemmy Winks, Lemmy Winks, Lemmy Winks, Gerbil King